0: This week on Invasion of the Podcast, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Blandness. We talk about the 2019 documentary
1: Surviving Supercon and our experiences surviving Fan Expo Weekend.
0: And it's that time of year again. We go back to vacation Bible school. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon, the arrival of a spaceship Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet.
2: People of the attention.
0: It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the podcast. Where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. My name is Paul, and somehow out, somewhere out there, being very very tired after the week he had, is Steve.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm here. I'm excited. I'm energized to talk about Fan Expo weekend, uh, the documentary, uh, surviving SuperCon, and all the things that we have to talk about this evening. So I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, front load it, guys. But you know, this is an episode.
0: There you go. <laughs> yeah. It is a movie, you know. So, all right, yeah, we're going to get into it. Uh I I, I did what lots it, like, of movies come out every year. This is one of them. This is one of them, yeah. Um I made it a point to post on the social media um if people do look at our Facebook page that we had mentioned the film Supercon last week and that's a different movie. Uh so that, that I wanted to make sure that people would find Surviving Supercon, which is available on Tubi. I did watch it there. Um, the ad breaks aren't that obnoxious for that. So I'll say that's a, that's a positive.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is funny because I somehow seem to have, uh, and actually we'll, we'll blow up Tubi here for just a second. Cause, uh, I always talk about how much I like Tubi, And I, I do, I, I think that it's a great place to find a lot of different, uh, things other, whether it be, you know, oddball movies or old TV series. But the thing that I liked about it is, is that, uh, the commercial breaks usually aren't very interruptive. And I will say that my rewatch of surviving Supercon, for whatever reason, I had like the worst experience, like literally where they were cutting people off in the middle of sentences. And I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Did, <laughs> like something just happened. Like, usually I have a pretty good experience with Tubi, where they at least time it to either the scene ending or not in the middle of somebody's dialogue, I guess. Like, That's just, fair. I feel like that happens a lot with uh, YouTube now where it's like they don't – you know, there's no breaks for a YouTube video, but they're like, oh, is somebody in the middle of making a point about something? How about we throw in a 30-second commercial about, you know, dog food or whatever? Yeah. Um, Or, you know – how your hoop stinks.
0: <laughs> so yeah, like what was it? The last time I used Tubi was to watch um, the, the film uh, Zulu. And the one thing I'll say that I did like is that they would give the countdown to ads, but generally it was like at scene breaks. So, which is what I felt like happened here. Um, so I don't recall being like completely like, like um you know, jar, like it was not jarring, but I don't like it when that happens with these services that have ads. Cause you and I grew up with broadcast television, Commercials happen. I think we can call back to our days of yeah. like, oh whatever. And if this is the price I have to pay to, to watch a thing I didn't pay for, I'm fine with it. I'd still prefer like a completely you know like ad free stream, but you know I like what else am I going to do? I like I'm, I I accept this.
1: I also I also want to throw uh uh, uh I want to throw myself out there to you and uh, your co host Terry on strange highways. Um, one of the requisites that you guys have had in the past for uh, you know, coming on the show and talking about something, whether it be uh, you know, anthology-related, something that's not Twilight Zone is, is you're like, I'd like it to be easily accessible for our audience, which makes sense. Don't get me wrong. I totally get that. One of the stumbling blocks is, is I've always wanted to come on and talk some Freddy's, uh, Freddy's Nightmares. Uh, not a great series by any stretch, but there are some episodes that I think are fun to talk about. Freddie's Nightmares is now on Tubi. So it's very easily accessible for a lot of people. So uh at some point in the future, I'm I'm saying that it if you guys have a break in your schedule, you're like, we're going to take a break from Strange Highways for a little bit, or Strange Highways. We're going to take some a break from Twilight Zone for a couple episodes, and you guys are looking for a filler episode, I would like to come on and talk some Freddy's Nightmare.
0: That'd be that'd be so, great. There I you just, go. I think it's funny that you talk about something that's more readily accessible, and now we're talking about the 80s version of the Twilight Zone, which is really hard to find sometimes. So um, <laughs> a lot of it's on YouTube, but not everything is. So you'll be like, hey, everybody. Well, I think what you know. I
1: suggested it to you was pre-COVID.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. No, but it's just one of those things. It's like, like, you know, we do want to make things very accessible, which is why I also did mention where people could find this, this documentary we're talking about. Um, but it's like, but now can we find something that's not been put out for streaming? And then we're going to like do a three year look into it. Yeah. That's a good way to keep the audience around. you know. So, so yeah.
1: And we have, I have one other correction that I want to make, uh, from last week. Uh, and I, this is me being a bad Batman fan. Um, when we were talking about the fog, I talked about Adrian Barbeau and, uh, how I always think of her from creep show, completely forgetting that she's the voice of Catwoman in Batman, the animated series. It's probably the most definitive version of that character as well. When it comes to live action or, or comics or well, not comics, but at least when it comes to live action or animation, I think her version is easily the best. I can't believe I omitted that, so oh, wow. I'm throwing that out there, guys. Bad Batman fan Steve, uh, but uh, I wanted to give props to Adrian Barbo because, you know, she's a big piece of that show, um, along with her name needs to be out there just as much as, you know, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill's voice name is. Absolutely, so that's yeah. all.
2: Okay.
0: Well, I like yeah. that we hold ourselves honest here. Cause I mean, we, I mean, our, our tagline is taking the world over what taking the world over one listener at a time. However, uh, we are hacks and frauds, so it's nice to, you know, be held accountable. Um, so I got to admit before we get to the weekend stuff, cause I know our weekends are kind of intertwined cause we actually got to see each other in person. It was great. Um, so I would like you, you messaged me on Skype. You're like I forgot it was past seven. Sorry. I had just sat down and here's why. Um, so I, um, you know, before we got started, I was downstairs playing the video games, playing the overwatches. And I, I was like, okay, like I'll just unwind for a minute, play a game that I like that doesn't make me mad at all at all at ever make me mad, um, before we start recording. So the first two games I won that I had a stretch of four or five in a row where I lost. So it beca- I, I should never become a gambler. I'll just put it that way. Cause once I get like, you know, once I get on the deep end, I'm like, one more. I need to win. I need to win to end this, right? And I kept, the games kept falling apart around me. And I'm like, what is going on? So it was getting close to the time to come up here and record. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to just play one more. I shouldn't do this. I hope Steve will be okay if I'm a couple minutes late. Cause I'd been like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. And you're like, how dare you? Um, so like I was this, I hit like five in a row where I lost. It was to the point where I felt like I was pissing blood. That's how bad I was getting beaten through these games. Gotta tell you, pulled it out at the end, got one win. So I, I feel valued as a human being. So I can record now. So sorry for the delay in recording. I was actively getting, uh, you know, well, not actively video game wise, getting the shit beat out of me and pissing blood. That's all great imagery, right? And then I come up here to talk to my friend. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who uh, <laughs>
1: uh, had a scare a couple years back on Halloween, where oh, that's people, right. Oh God, I'm sorry, uh, I, I forgot about you. that. Oh it's no, not a, not a fun thing. No, so. no,
0: no, no. I'm sorry. I, I did. I should not make light of, um, you know, of uh, peeing blood. I should not do that. I'm sorry. I just did. Um, of
1: the, uh, well, I believe at the time you you called it a. Uh, 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 was it a blood curse that you called it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh you, you've made fun of it previously. So do Oh, so don't okay. Worry about so, oh
0: okay. So what you're saying is I was a jerk before and like, you know, I, I call like, I, 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 I calmed down for a second and then I just revved it right back up again. Is what
2: you're saying? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: All right. Well, sorry. Me, I was, I was relieved to find out that it was just a kidney stone that, uh, that I was, that was causing the issues. So I mean, I believe,
0: I believe these fat five losses I had in overwatch are the same thing as a kidney stone. So that's kind of how there I, it. No, it, it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So anyway, now that I, now that I'm an insensitive hacker and a fraud, um, you said you did have a little bit of weekend stuff that wasn't related to the fan expo.
1: Yeah, so, uh, Joe Bob, uh, fourth season of The Last Drive-In came back uh, this past Friday. I did not get to watch it live, which is one of the things that I really like about it is, is that, yeah, I've talked about this before. I love the fact that we go into it not knowing what movies is going to show. I go into it knowing that, like, I'm going to be surprised, even if it's a movie that I've seen, you know, before. It's fun to watch it with Joe Bob's commentary this episode was special for him because it's his hundredth episode of doing the last drive-in. Uh, he had guests come out and um, kind of had a, I, I guess a, it, it, for me, it wasn't that um, big of a deal, I guess, just because, I'm still new to the Joe Bob. So it's not like I have years and years and years of, you know, having watched his shows to, to go back on. But like, uh, the two movies that he showed, one was night of the living dead classic. Love it. You know, and he had Sven on as his guest, um, who I know of Sven Gulli, but I, I've never really watched Sven Gulli. I have to admit, even though I love, you know, horror hosts, uh, I've never really delved into that uh, or or tipped my my toe into those waters. Um, But the second episode was a film called Anthropophagus. I hope I'm saying that correct. Um, That's directed by Joe D'Amato, who is now one of your favorite uh, uh, directors, now that you own uh, two two of of his movies. movies. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that was apparently the first movie that that Joe Bob had reviewed when he started his uh, um, review for the drive in um, back at whatever newspaper he was at in Texas back in 1980, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, like a celebration of 40 years. So uh, his original um, male girl also came back and, you know they had interviews with her. So I just wanted to make a mention of that. Uh, that was the thing that I did do, but I didn't actually do it when I normally like to do it, which is on Friday night. And I didn't get to watch it till Sunday because I was at the convention until nine on Friday night. Uh, and then I didn't make it back to my hotel room until like 10 something uh, with dinner. And uh, I, I was out like cold, like within an hour. So uh that's that's the only thing that I did this weekend that's not gonna be related to our weekend talk so I was just gonna throw that out there that uh, it was Joe Bob's big
0: show so so you watched the second movie, which I'm not gonna even try to pronounce because it sounds like snuffleupagus. Um
1: <laughs> So I haven't watched all of it yet um I have maybe half of it to go through and I was uh going back and forth with uh El Goro on Facebook about it a little bit, and uh, I mentioned that uh, you know so far what I had seen it was poorly done melodrama on a boat. Um, but uh, uh I guess it it does have its it's it's good spots, so um I'm, I'm uh, eager to dive into it a little bit further uh, to 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 see you know the whole film. I'm not gonna judge it at this point without having seen all of it, but fair enough. Um, Joe Bob gave it three and a half stars, so. You know, I don't know if that was out of, you know, his, uh, you know, out out of a nostalgia for a movie that he reviewed 40 years ago or not, but, uh, there's gotta be something worthwhile in there for him to give it that big of a rating.
0: That's fair. So, all right. Um, so for me, uh, since I, um, I, uh, wasn't available, uh, to, to help with Steve for, couple days at the convention, I, you know, had, had a Saturday off, had, uh, some friends over, uh, the Northeast, uh, Ohio podcasting Alliance. I had the Mr. The Goro and, uh, Terry from strange highways. Um, and another gentleman over, uh, John to, we, um, we, what, what was called the, what was it? The cultural movie exchange, which makes me think of like the, um, invention exchange for mystery science theater. Um, nice. so, so, uh, what happened was like, we all kind of picked a movie that like, so the, the the plan was for um, a movie that one of us hasn't seen. So maybe the other two have then, you know, to kind of experience some new things, right? Because we all consume content and we all do it in terms of podcasts and, you know, the talk about first world problems and woe well, is me. Sometimes it's just you want get to get together your friends and just watch movies that have just you just watch them right as opposed to we got to consume this content and talk about it blah, blah 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 so we got through a couple movies um uh, uh we ended up watching universal soldier dave reckoning from 2012 which um is actually it is directed by it is jason Hyams, um the the son of peter heims the director so I think it's Jason Himes. I'll have to look it up again here because I had, don't have it up here anymore. Um, so it's actually, it's it's the fourth movie in the Universal Soldier franchise. And it's really good, like for what it is. It is, uh, it is directed by John Himes. Sorry, not Jason. John Himes, the son of Peter Himes. And it has Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren in it. Scott Atkins is the lead. Um, it is... For being a direct-to-video sequel to a franchise that everybody forgot about, it has no reason being as good as it is. uh, And the action in it is brutal. Like it, it um, precedes like John Wick in terms of like some of the brutality going on here. And I've known about this movie for a while. People have sung its praises. Just finally sat down and watched it. Um, Really goddamn good. Like Steve, I think you would dig it a lot. Like, like, um, the, the plot, like it, it all makes sense, but yeah, it might take a second watch for some of the pieces to click in a little better, but the action is like just top notch.
1: Okay. I, ugh,
0: boy, I'm trying
1: to think off the top of my head. I, I, okay. So I have not seen all of the universal soldier films. <laughs> I've seen a handful of them. I've seen the first one and
0: then th- this one. <laughs> like I think there's yeah. four total I think that's it
1: is there four total I thought there was way more I thought there was like six or eight maybe so, okay so maybe I've only seen the first one i I could have sworn I've seen a second universal soldier movie Th- that notwithstanding uh I saw the first one in the theater you know back in well, what was it like 91 when that came out so um it's interesting that 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 franchise is still or at least was still going in 2012. So, uh, maybe I'll, I'll get a chance to finally check that out and I make it sound like there was some sort of extenuating reasons that I didn't
0: watch it. But, I mean, it's been out there for 10 uh, years. I mean, you know, you'll get to it when you get to it. It's fine. Yeah. Right. But no, it was like, there, like, like, I think I was telling you while we're at the convention, there's a sequence. But better
1: than you thought. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Like, and that's what, that's been the general consensus, but it's like, you can't, you can't believe it until you see it type of thing, you know? But there, there's a there's a fight sequence in a sporting goods store that is brutal. It's like it just it makes you cringe, and it's so well paced, and it's it's pretty solid. So, a high recommendation for that. And the other film that we got to was 1983's Endgame, which is a film we've talked about on um, the show before because I'd shown it during one of my Super Bro parties where we watched like you know, uh, you know, questionable action films. It's from '83. I recently gotten the the Blu Ray of it. Um, and it's directed by Joe (laughs) D'Amato who you mentioned for directing Snuffleupagus. Uh, and, um, it actually is George Eastman as well. So that was my George Eastman, Joe D'Amato movie over the weekend versus the one that you saw. So there you go.
1: (laughs) All right. Yeah. So, uh, it sounds like you guys had a good time. I know you guys had a taco bar, correct? We did.
0: Um, so first, I want to mention, Endgame's a lot of fun, everybody. Uh, it, I'm sure it's available on YouTube, but the Blu-ray's pretty, you know, for for being an Italian-made, like, low-budget action film, you know, the Blu-ray looks pretty good. Uh, like, it's, I, for whatever reason, I held this one up just a smidge more than some other things I've watched from that time, just because, like, the story's ridiculous, but it, they they make it a point to pay everything off, which doesn't always happen. You know, and the end shot, which I think what you—that's what you came away from—the end shot before the credits is awesome, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. But I—I uh, I decided to make a taco bar, um, unrelated to because we're recording this on May fifth. Um, I wasn't trying to be that dumbass American and be like Cinco de Mayo tacos. Like I wasn't like I was just excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, seriously, because like, I, I just realized, cause like, it's one of those things that like, I know it's one of those holidays. People are like, it's like Mexico's independence day. And it's like, that's not it. It's, it's literally not that date. And I went to do some reading on Wikipedia about what it actually celebrates. And it's a little bit more complicated and nuanced than, than that. And there's a lot there I don't understand. Cause there's a lot of, um, like political history there that I don't, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's more reading required. I'll say, right. So it's it's easy to boil it down to be like, it's the day when we drink margaritas. It's like that's the same thing as like St. Patrick's Day, the day that we just drink like idiots. Like I don't think that's fair, right? I just got excited for a taco bar because I wanted a taco bar. And also I feel like this goes back to a conversation we had a couple episodes ago. You can have all the fixins that you want for a taco bar, and people can just pick what they want, right? I think that's a lot more approachable thing for you know, a party, right. Where people can pick what they want as opposed to one thing. So that's what I was excited for. But while I was at the grocery store, um, like last weekend, I went through the bakery area and I looked at like, you know how sometimes they'll make like cakes in different shapes for whatever reason. There was one that was literally a taco with a bunch of cupcakes around it. And I was like, well, that's funny. Like, how weird is that? And i just, I went to buy it and I'm like, why would they make a taco cake? And I'm like, Oh no, I've become the thing I hate. Like, so it is, uh, <laughs> you know, it was being made because of Seiko right, de Mayo, well, this, and I uh, I thought is, it was just this funny. This is how sad yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. This is how
1: sad I am. I didn't even put the two together. So I was just like, <laughs> look, I didn't know, should because when you, you, you brought up Endgame, I'm like, oh, we've kind of talked about it before. Do I jump in and talk about Endgame or not? And then I was like, oh, but you guys had a taco boar. So my boar? Taco had a war. Bar, taco wars.
0: Up. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: So my brain instantly went to, you, oh yeah, bring up the taco bar that uh, you had because it sounded pretty amazing, and we do love to talk food on the show. Yes. So I, I, it didn't even enter my consciousness to think about Cinco de Mayo. So well, my no, like,
0: good, good on you. But it was one of those things like I didn't think about it. So when people came over, I'm like, I was like, I'm not trying like like um, it, it it wasn't like oh no, I apologize for serving tacos. Like I'll never apologize for serving tacos because tacos are amazing. But it was like. I just realized I'm like, oh shit! It looks like I'm lining up because of a holiday. I don't understand. You know, like that. That felt that felt weird to me. You know, <laughs> like you know. Like, but technically, it was still April at that point.
1: Uh, fair not, enough. You know, like okay. Were in May.
0: Yeah, but I bought a, a cake that looked like a taco, so I'm already. I was already in. You know, so look, I I watched a show called Is It Cake,
1: and if there was a you know cake on there that looked like a taco. I would I would be into that. So
0: well, it definitely looked like a cake that just happened to be oh, decorated. Like right. it was like, you know, they they took a cake and then flipped it on its side and cut it in half and said it like, you know, you know, whatever and then decorated like a taco. It's like so it's very much it you wouldn't be fooled by it. <laughs> you know, I'll just put it that way. However, I could see you going up to like the drive through and be like, two taco cakes, please. You know, like they would just put them in like, you know, uh, a, a container for you and be like, Thank you, you know. But so yeah, that's what happened. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, tacos were great. Uh uh, and the movies were fun and people, you know, it was a good time. So that's really, that's really the only, like, cause then, you know, Sunday, I, you know, we, you, you know, we spent it together, you know, on the holy day. So we'll, you know, talk about that when we get there. So that was my weekend. We did. I, I just want to
1: go back here to the taco bar. Cause I won I, I, <laughs> cause it, it, <laughs> It does go towards, you know, our typical theme of the show. So, like, I want to get a little bit more. Okay, you want you know, to drill down uh, to the fixings? On this.
0: I'll talk about the fixings.
1: No, That's what you want to know. I, I'll but break it I down. What do I find it interesting is, is that, okay, so A, I've never been anywhere that I was ever disappointed that there was a taco bar. <laughs> like, if I suddenly walked into work and there was a taco bar, I'd be like, there's a taco bar? Sweet.
0: The, you're like at a the funeral and you're like, I'm so sorry window. for your loss. And you're just putting sour cream on a bunch
1: of tacos. <laughs> I'm sorry for your loss. There's a taco bar? Get out of my way. Um, <laughs> I grieve with this, food. This Thank club you. club's yeah. amazing. Wait, there's a the taco, taco bar? bar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, seriously i say that after after all the idiocy i've already uh laid upon you but uh you know i know that that you had specific things set out and you had brought up that there was one item that is normally on a taco that you were like yeah this is worthless and i'm not even (laughs) bothered would you like to say what that item is sir
0: Okay, so yeah, so um, before I roll through that, can I, let me, off the top of my head, let me try to remember what I had set out. Because again, I try to be a host that always has, like I always overkill, right, when I host anybody over, right? You know me. Um, Like for me, it was just ground beef with like taco seasoning. I thought about doing different types of meat, but I'm like, I don't have that kind of time. So I didn't do that. Um, So I had enchilada sauce versus taco sauce because turns out it has less sugar, the things that it's important to me, nobody else, mm-hmm. uh, sour cream, uh, raw, like diced onions, diced peppers, um, roasted red peppers, um, like sweet, uh, banana pepper, onion rings. Um, you know, what else? Uh, black beans, refried beans. Um, like, you know, a bunch of stuff, right? A bunch of, I think, no, are did, appropriate...
1: did, you, did you do shells? Did you did, do tortillas? Did I offered little I, bags of Doritos. I
0: offered all three. Uh, cause that's me. I had uh, shells, uh, um, uh, tortillas and also chips available for people, whatever they prefer. Um, okay. yeah, so like, I think it did a pretty good spread. Uh, and so the one thing I forgot was, um, like shredded lettuce. Cause that's what Mary likes. And I was like, Oh, I forgot. doesn't matter. So I told her, she's like, don't worry. Cause she was going out today. day. She's like, I'll bring some home. I'm like, great. So I'll tell you that we're going to get to this discussion. Uh, as of today. Um, I, I have I've worked my way through all of the other toppings that we've had, right? Over the course of making like, you know, things over the last week. Cause it's a good, it's a good meal to kinda like keep get digging into because you can always add things and whatever. That lettuce is sitting browning in my fridge because I didn't go anywhere near it. Cause screw that lettuce. It can die a lonely death. But sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, okay. So I, I was I was curious because I to me, and it's just because I've always had it available as said topping, you know, is I don't know that I've ever eaten a taco without lettuce. So it was just weird. Uh, when you said it, it's not like a hamburger where you're like, I can get a cheeseburger or a hamburger. The difference is I don't have cheese on the one. Like lettuce just is always a thing that you have with tacos for me. So like when you were like, yeah, screw lettuce. I was like, wait, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I I'll also say that I am not under the belief that I'm like, oh, this uh, somehow makes it healthy. No, I know that there's no nutritional value in iceberg lettuce. Uh, that said, it's still a thing that I was like, oh, I was kind of surprised by that. Now, admittedly, if I got to your house in, you know, there was no iceberg lettuce, you know, I would have flipped the table <laughs> and that I would have made you fight me. But uh, yeah. it was just surprising to hear your take on it. Whereas it's like, oh, it's it's one of those things that I just c- always think of. As being in a taco. But do you remember the flavoring of the lettuce?
0: You're like, Oh man, this is such refreshing to have the equivalent of pencil shavings but and lettuce form in this taco. Like you're like, Oh, it's so (laughs) oh, it really bring it really (laughs) wraps it up.
1: When you're making like a fresh taco, like I think it's at best when you're like, oh, it brings a little bit of the cool crispy side, you know, kind of like how the DLT was like 30 <sighs> years ago or 40 years ago at okay. this point,
0: probably. So I'm not anti lettuce. I'm anti iceberg lettuce because, meaning, <laughs> like now I realized lettuce. how useless as a lettuce it is. Like it's you know it's hard. For, like not that I, like clearly I'm not a healthy eater, but. Um, I think we talked about this while we we're sitting because you know, why sell comics? Why promote our, like, why promote your wares when we're like, let's drill down and talk about lettuce. Like while we're there, like, um, like, like there's a spring mix that has different types of like lettuce in there. And also like, um, spinach, like it, you know, if I really wanted a green leafy vegetable, I probably would just bought spinach to put in there, but like, I don't need that kind of texture when I'm making a taco bowl. That's just me. Your mileage may vary.
1: All right, well, that's that's fair. I would never, uh, you know. I would never, you know, throw down if, if, you know, if I had been at your house and I was like, oh, there's, there's no lettuce, you know, I, w- I wouldn't have said anything. Oh, well, okay. Maybe I would have, you know, passively aggressive. <laughs> like,
0: I'm like, oh, hey, I guess, no uh, lettuce here. Could- I see. Like what? Mm. <laughs> and you put <laughs> your monocle meal on. That I'm eating. Yeah. You, you put your monocle in and wear your top hat and then sit over in the corner and like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I guess, <laughs> I guess it was a little <laughs> too expensive for you folk, you know? Yeah.
1: Cinco de yeah. no. uh, you know no, would have no. made this <laughs> <laughs> you know what would have made this taco perfect, Paul lettuce, <laughs> and then I would just sit there and eat my free taco <laughs> that I didn't have to pay for,
0: <laughs> yeah, so I it was yeah, but it did show up later, um, I think Mary's the only one that actually uh actually added some lettuce, I could be wrong, I just know that I didn't, and it's currently um dying a death and my uh my like dude like like i said i had fresh cut onions and and um like uh bell pepper you know like um like the rainbow peppers like you know you got your red green and orange and yellow like i love like you know fresh vegetables right i like um like i probably if i would have thought about it would have like cut up some tomatoes as well it's just i don't think that you know get, get that lettuce away from me that's all
1: yeah i mean that's the other thing is is that uh, i'm not a huge fan of tomatoes like i I used to be, like, a strict, like, hate tomatoes no matter what. And I, I've come to realize...
0: That they're that ketchup. That's what I'm... Kidding that, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, people, like, people would say, like, uh, I've seen you eat, Steve. You, you definitely love ketchup. And uh, I have not seen you ever turn down, like, you know, anything made with, sp- you know, I was going to say spaghetti sauce, but with pasta <laughs> sauce. You know, you, I've never seen you turn something down made with tomato sauce, if you will. And... I quickly realized it's the, like, mushy seed part that's in the middle of the tomato that I don't like. So, like, everything that's sort of outside that's, you know, nice and crisp and has some flavor to it as opposed to, like, the gross seed slimy middle section of said said, uh, vegetable slash fruit, which people will... Uh, tell you like don't all call we it know. a vegetable
0: it's fruit yeah all so. we know is it's Whatever. poisonous and you shouldn't have it right that was the old adage right <laughs> uh, no but like t- tomatoes as we know them too have changed um like just because of the way they grow them and the way just tomatoes inherently now are flavorless in a lot of ways and so like it, the reason that you probably also aren't a big fan of them is because the way tomatoes used to be, they used to come in like a lot of different variety and colors and shapes. And you still see the heirloom tomatoes, which I've not really gotten into uh, in terms of like trying to use them and and use them for cooking and things. Uh, tomatoes is what we know now versus what they were are significantly different. The same thing like bananas, right? Like there used to be a lot of different banana varieties. Well, n- we never know now you know like um so maybe that's also part of it that we've kind of um scienced up the blandest version of this thing and we just accept it
1: that's fair you know what's interesting about bananas though and i actually it's probably not even interesting it's just interesting to me is is that uh, uh for me i like bananas like when they start to turn brown, like oh, not God.
0: completely no, brown. No, not I should, I most. should mail you my bananas that I'm sure by the time they get to you, I mean, you'll love them. Cause the moment they start to get like all spotty, I'm like, they're, Oh, they're deadly. And I can't have them. Like I just, I need, there's the difference. Like the, when they're green, I can't handle it. And then when they're yellow, I have like a two and a half day window to really enjoy bananas. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you know yeah. what I mean though, right? Cause like, you turn around and you're like, oh, those bananas look good. And you're like, oh God, they're all dead and rotting. Like what did I do to them? You know? So, yeah.
1: So usually what happens is, and I'll, I'll put this out there as well. Kathy does not like bananas. So if we buy bananas, I'm the only one who's eating them and I'll pick up bananas and I'll be like, oh, this will be great. And usually I try to buy them, you know, when they're still a little green and turning yellow so that I'm like, okay, I know I have a window here to let them sort of get to where I want them to be. And then I'll just forget about them. <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, I have bananas. I completely forgot about these bananas. And they're either bad or, I, you know, I ate one. But because no one else in the house eats bananas, the rest of them go to waste because I forgot about them. So that's usually the way it goes for me with bananas. So I, 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 I'm not saying that like, I can't go into a store and buy a single banana, <laughs> but it just feels weird. You know what I mean? No, you, 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 know?
0: sp- you break one off and you go to the, like you go to the checkout line. And you're like one bananas. and like, you just set it down. You're like, <laughs> it's like, it'd be even great if like, you just like, you're like, listen, you know, I have to get my, um I have my 12 pack of Lone Star here and a single banana. And they're like, okay, sir. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, I like, yeah, I, yeah, so I, I, yeah I, I do like you know, bananas. I, I do. It's just, I'm, no, no, no. I just, I like them. It's just like, I get weird when they get mushy. Like I just, I know that they're still okay, but you, you so, it's, it's the same thing for you and tomatoes. Like when they get, there's a certain texture at a point where I'm like, I'm good. I'm done. You know what I mean? Like,
1: so someone had told me that part of the reason that I like them as they start to turn is because they become sweeter and more sugary. I, somehow like the sugar content in them changes or whatever it is that makes sugar uh, and you could probably answer this but like somebody had once told me and I guess I never really looked it up they're like oh well the reason you like it is is because there's more sugar content in it when it hits that that you know and as it becomes more and more uh, less ripe because I, I feel like you know when they're ripe and green it's just like no flavor and yeah. they just don't taste very good. Well, and regardless,
0: I don't know about the sugar content thing. Cause I mean, I think the banana stays the same chemical composition. I mean, maybe I don't understand banana, you know, physiology. I'm not, a, I'm not a banana doctor. <laughs> to be fair. I don't either. <laughs> you know, like, um, this is everybody. Welcome to the show. We're getting into the, the, you know, <laughs> the chemical makeup of bananas. <laughs> I don't understand it. You know? Um, so I don't know, but I like, think I just, it's a, it's for me, it's a texture thing. Like I, you know, there's, there's like when, when they're green, it's a little, it's a little like, eh, and then there's that sweet spot. It's like, what was it? Um, Mitch Hedberg made a joke about how like, um, like, you know, when you look at a stoplight, like, you know, green means go yellow means hold on and red means stop. And he's like with the banana, he's like green means hold on yellow means go. And then red means, where did you find that banana? That <laughs> was his joke. <laughs>
1: I'm seeing the reviews now, of this episode,
0: uh, they spent 30 minutes talking about bananas. about bananas, you know? Yeah. Right. So that shit is bananas. That's what I'll say. Um, so, so yeah, uh, there you go. That was our weekend slash, uh, vegetable produce talk. Is that a new thing? I don't think it's a new yeah. thing. Taco produce talk. Welcome to food corner. We should make that. A, like we should just go ahead and make a button for that. Right. Like a food corner button. Let's do I have anything. On I the was board? telling
1: you before we should do a show where we just review foods that were in movies. <laughs> yeah. You know, original correct. You know, original concoctions like the Twinkie Wiener sandwich. But what
0: if we did? What was the name of the steak that John Candy ate in the great outdoors? Was it the old seventy sixer? Oh something? god, the old ninety. Yeah, the, I thought it was the ninety sixer. That might be right. Like, but maybe it was the seventy. 70- um. N- no. Let's not, let's not do that one. But yeah, like the Twinkie Wiener sandwich, um, maybe, you know, like, maybe we'll come up, we'll come up with our own, uh, Stan Makita um, donuts or whatever from Wayne's world. That'd be fine. You know, all uh, the while
1: we're, we're, we're drinking, uh, moose head beer. Yes. And,
0: uh, <laughs> smoking red apple cigarettes. You know, that's what we're going to do. I'd be all about that. That'd be great. Uh, um, so, and then we'll just, and eventually we'll finish it off by eating the stuff and it will kill us. that will be fine. So there you go. Um, so, all right, let's just, let's just get to uh we have some news. Let's, it's not, it's not produced or taco related, sadly. Good news, everyone. So okay, the, so the, it's kind of a new story. It's kind of not. We're, so spoilers. We're going to get into uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness next week. We're going to be watching the movie and talking about it for next week's episode. However, reviews are coming out. Um, the critics are a little mixed on it. The audience seems to be okay. Uh, like, the, like. But my question to you, Steve, is like we, we've not seen the movie, so we can't determine if we like it or not. I get that, right? There is a complaint going on right now. Where I'm seeing run through some of the story, like some of the news stories about how like people are like, you have to have already seen a lot of other Marvel stuff for some of this to kind of pay off and make sense. Um, and, okay. and people are saying that as a complaint, um, well, one, we'll see how the movie like, well, I think we're smart enough as movie watchers to under, to see if this movie functions well enough on its own without being like, you have to know all these other things. Right. Cause I think a film can do things and take you places, and if you don't happen to know every single thing, that's fine. Just tell me a good story, and you get me from A to B. But people are so feel, is sorry. the go main ahead. complaint? Yeah, my ahead. apologies. No, 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 is the no go main ahead, please. Related to WandaVision? Not just that; it's related to what if? Because that's the other thing too. Okay. Well, WandaVision as well, because okay, they're so like they're, people are talking in, about like the Disney play. You've had to watch all the Disney Plus stuff coming into Doctor Strange. Yeah.
1: Okay, so a that. I haven't watched that what if episode. Uh but it was very clear in the trailers that I'm like, oh, there's gonna be a zombie Doctor Strange, which I remember being from the trailer of What If. I I knew that was a thing there. And but I do remember this discussion coming up when people heard about WandaVision, and then they're like, Well, do you know, I know that she's in Doctor Strange 2. Am I gonna have to have watched WandaVision to, you know, enjoy the movie? And you know, I I guess, you know, I'm like you you know i'm i'm the target audience in the sense of like i'm not gonna not i'm i'm going to watch probably every marvel series and i i don't have a good ex- excuse for not having watched what if yet um but it's not like you could walk into endgame without having seen infinity war and being like yeah i get this you know what i mean like there's always been this expectation of like, well, you've seen the other ones. No, it'd know? be like walking into end game,
0: like end game without seeing any other Marvel film, you know, like inspecting right. to be like, I understand what's going on. That's not fair. I don't think, I don't think that's fair to that film, you know, and what they're trying to do. Um, but this isn't the same thing as end game. Cause that was a culmination of like so many things going on. Right. But it's like, people are arguing that like, Oh, well there's the Disney plus stuff. It's like, if you're already a fan of, Well, one, we were starved for content for quite a while because of the pandemic. Right. And the way that Disney has done a good job of kind of leading the series out. Like I think they've given enough time for each series to breathe enough that you can consume it and not feel overwhelmed. Like I, that's how I feel about that. I think they've given enough time between, between that and their film releases that if you're going to take time to go to the theater and watch a thing, you probably have a month or two in between to consume like a six to eight episode thing. If you're, if you're interested, I'm not saying that screw you for not watching the Disney plus stuff, but if you're already a fan, you're probably already have watched it. And some people are like, Oh, you have to watch all this other stuff to know. It's like, like, I don't know. Like it, I I guess I'm torn because of like, well, that's on you for not doing your homework, but I also feel like, a movie of this kind of thing should at least be able to function on its own without being like, if you don't know, you don't know, because that means you failed as a storyteller. But I think that things like this can show up and explain the name of the movie is the multiverse of madness. And if and if anything, you know, everybody in the world saw Spider-Man, the newest one, right? So um, like mm-hmm. they understand the and everybody I and mean, everybody else in the world saw into the Spider-Verse. Like the multiverse is a thing that's happening now and like the movies. So if somebody comes up to you and be like, Oh, I didn't know that this like, well, I mean, like they, they've been setting the stage here for a couple films now that things are going to get weird. And if you don't understand a single thing, sorry, if you don't understand certain things, that's fine. But are you able to follow Stephen Strange on his journey through what's going on? That's my question. We'll find that out next week. Well, it's also it's something
1: that's going to become more and more prevalent. You know, uh, the, the the Captain Marvel sequel is just now called The Marvels. And while it's going to feature Brie Larson as uh, Carol Danvers, it's also going to bring in, um, is it Photon?
0: Yeah, I th- I, f- I forget what they call her. But, yeah, she was in the lady that was introduced in WandaVision. She has her own power yes. set. Yeah. She's the daughter of yes. Captain Marvel's friend. Um, I, it's okay. been a bit since I've you know uh, Rambo. The last name's Rambo. I know that Monica
1: Rambo. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, but on the same topic, there's also going to be Miss Marvel coming out, and I know that Kamala Khan has some sort of role in the Marvels as well. That's the whole idea behind the Marvels was is that it was going to be, you know, not just Carol but these other mm-hmm. characters. So. You know, that's going to be a criticism that's going to be lev- leveled at a lot of things, you know. Um, and I don't know if Loki is ever going to pop up in another Marvel movie. But we already know that he's getting a second season of his show. Mm-hmm. So if he does pop-, pop up in Thor Love and Thunder, like, are people going to have to know the show? And will people have that same reaction to yeah. like, oh, I couldn't enjoy, you know, Love and Thunder because I didn't know that Thor. You know, Loki was running around uh, trying to fix time.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I just you know, does that make I, sense? No, it makes complete sense. What I'm frustrated with is that, like, um, again, I, I think we've talked about this previously. Like, being fans of comics, like sometimes when you get like big crossovers, you're like. I don't know who this character is, but they're functioning some way in this crossover event that might be like Marvel did that thing there for a while in the nineties where they would do their big like annual issues, like, you know, and they tell a story over like three different annuals. So like maybe, maybe you're reading Guardians of the Galaxy, but you weren't reading Fantastic Four, but you'd pick up that annual cause it continues the story. And you're like, well, I don't know a whole much about these guys mm-hmm. and you just follow it through. Right? Like I think there's a certain amount of like, Okay, well, I get what's going on here. I don't know every single thing that's going on, but I trust the creative behind it. And I think that, like, there, I think people want to, eh, here's a hot take, here's my hot take, here's coming. I think people want to bitch because they want to bitch to show that, like, oh, this is only, like, you know, devoted to, like, you know, the people who have watched everything. And then Disney's going to be like, no shit, that's why we have a streaming service. You know, it's to further promote what they're making. You know, I just, you know, I just so, so the thing that I like, and I'm like, this is a slight spoiler, a small spoiler. Um, I'm going to throw this out here. We're going to throw this out. Um, here, do you know why they are called spoilers? This has been shown on the poster for months. And in the most recent teaser for the film, you see a, a shield show up that gets like wedged into a wall. And that shield has the union Jack in the middle of it. Meaning, for all intents and purposes, Haley Atwell's in this movie as you know Captain Carter, which was a what if episode of what if she took you know the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve. And I can't believe you just ruined the movie for me. I know, right? No, no. We, I know you're joking, but <laughs> um, but that's been shown on the poster. There's been a sliver of like reality where you see this shield with the Union Jack on it, right? So I think we're going to get a live action uh, Captain Carter. And I'm excited for that because I think about time Haley Atwell gets a little bit more to do, right? Because she's been she's been like the through line through a lot of Marvel shit, right? Um, so if we get a live action version of her, game on. I'm excited, right? And there's been the tease of Patrick Stewart showing up as Professor X, which ties in. Like, is everybody else going to pitch and be like, well, I've never seen an X-Men movie. Like, all right, well, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, you you've you've missed some good stuff and a lot of bullshit, but you you know, like I can't explain this to you, you know. Like, I thought that was Captain Picard the entire time. Well, I'm sorry, you know, like I just think that we're a little bit more nuanced, right? Like, I just I don't like the idea I of can't life. believe that's the guy from Green Room. I can't <laughs> believe they brought the character.
1: <laughs> like, oh, they the brought
0: the, the racist guy. They strange. brought yeah, they brought the the neo-Nazi into the green room. What's the from green room in here? That's so weird, right? Like, yeah. They brought they brought the guy from Life Force. I have to watch Life Force now to understand what's going on. Like so, I guess as the casual viewer, I've never viewer, seen Excalibur. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I mean, like I guess I don't really use the term casual viewer because if you're already like thirty five movies deep into the Marvel stuff, you're not a casual viewer. You you like the stuff. You're gonna go watch it, right? Um, you know, so if you're not informed, that's fine. But again, I don't. I guess, I guess what I get frustrated with is that if it's not spelled out directly for you, um, people are like, Oh, well, I don't know who that was. It's like, you're, you're ignoring the bigger thing going on. And if that's your big hang up, I can't tell you you're wrong. I just give it some time. You know what I like? Just maybe, maybe you don't understand exactly where Captain Carr is coming from, but if you've watched the rest of the Marvel films, You know who Captain America was and what he went through, and you know uh, you know, Peggy Carter, and they're like, Oh, this is a universe in which she got jacked and got the shield. How hard is that to tie that together? You know, like with the movie called The Multiverse of Madness, it isn't called Doctor Strange and just one nice day he was out there. You know, like it isn't like Doctor Strange and, you know, nothing happening here, you know, like it's just Christ, this title has been announced for years. I don't understand. You got to do all the homework. Well, I, I don't want to sound like that. Like I'm not trying to settle on like nerd mountain and judging people. I just don't know what they expect. Okay. I guess that's one fresh, but frustrated by.
1: So I had, I have three comments and I'm, I'm hopefully going to remember all three of them <clears throat> uh, by the time I get through the first, but the, the first being, uh, obviously we won't do it this month cause we're already going to be Marvel heavy with next week sort of being a recap of probably moon Knight at the beginning of the episode. And we're going to talk Dr. Strange proper in the uh, feature presentation, but this is the 10th anniversary of Avengers. And I think it would be interesting to go back and rewatch the original Avengers film, you know, and see how it still holds up, you know, 10 years on, you know, my, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the show. This was back when they still had midnight screenings. I went to the midnight screen, screening for Avengers and it was... I was blown away by it because it, it was the movie I thought could never happen. And I remember walking out of the theater and being like, if I could get back in line right now and go and watch this movie again, I absolutely would. I, I, I think that, you know, Avengers at that time came out and made like a billion dollars. But you weren't going to that movie if you didn't see at least Iron Man and Iron Man 2, probably, Captain America, and Thor. You know? You could you could go, okay, well, I didn't see The Incredible Hulk, fine. But you weren't seeing that movie without having already seen four other movies, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's 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 point one, one number one. I would like to this has always been part of the the game, is what I'm saying. I would also Just say that, you know, I want to talk Avengers 2012 sometime during this year while we're still at its 10th anniversary. It can be later in the summer, um, you know, whenever. But I think that would be an interesting discussion. Point two, uh, there was a movie that came out in 2005, I believe, by uh, a director who um, people, you know, I don't know what happened to him. Like, he just went into obscurity. But there was this movie that came out called Serenity. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> never heard of it i yeah i remember seeing the trailer for it and i was like oh you know what i'm like i think this is a tv series that got canceled but i was like i don't know anything about this but the trailer really like got its hook in, hooks into me so i went and saw it opening weekend without ever seeing an episode of of, of serenity a firefly. you know what yeah yeah go ahead
0: no the the series called firefly i'm sorry yes without having seen,
1: yeah my just having not seen an episode of firefly i walked into serenity uh and i enjoyed the movie and yeah i'll admit that when i went back and watched it uh the series i was like oh some of this lines up a little bit better and i understand why it's important that somebody's leaf on the wind um and why that death has meaning. But I already like that character within the movie. Like, I didn't feel like I was gypped out of an experience. Because I didn't watch those episodes. So I, I will be kind of curious. Because I, I haven't really watched What If. To see if the plot threads that may have come from that. If I'll feel like I somehow didn't get a full experience out of this because of that. Um, and then I had a third point and the Oh, okay. So third point isn't really related to this. But... Um, you know, Sam Raimi is directing or has directed, uh, Dr. Strange two. Uh, he famously also directed three Spider-Man movies. Um, he's most famous though for being, uh, the director of the dark man. Oh, sorry. Evil dead one and two and army of darkness. Yeah. And dark man. However you want to call that trilogy. You know, I, I, I know that they couldn't call, um, army of darkness, evil dead three, but I think of it as an evil dead three. Um, Plus he was behind, you know, a piece of the Ash versus the evil dead series. So I think that that's probably the thing that people know him for the most, but I was listening to a podcast recently and they were discussing, it was a horror podcast. So don't, don't take this, uh, take this with a bit of grain, uh, a bit of a grain of salt, if you will, um, is what I should have said. Um, But they were talking about the Northman and how, you know, Robert Eggers is this very interesting director Um, and he, you know, it's clear that, you know, when he makes a movie that it's, it's clearly, he's putting his stamp on it and that, you know, the Northman is probably the biggest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Accessible uh, type movie that he's made in the sense Mm -hmm. of like trying to reach a large audience. You know, it's got a huge, you know, famous cast. It's got, uh, you know, uh, well, his other movies are well reviewed as well, but it's got a, it's it's very well reviewed. It might be uh, one of the more
0: approachable narratives he's made so far is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah.
1: Um, But the person said, you know, that they're like, Oh, I hope that he doesn't dabble too much into this world because I feel like if he keeps making Robert, we'll lose something if he doesn't keep making Robert Eggers movies. He's like, I don't want to see him do something, you know, with Marvel. And what, what really caught me off guard with that, by that statement was, is, is like, there are a lot of directors who are bringing their flavor to Marvel and particularly, I don't think that Taika Waititi is hurt at all by doing Marvel movies. I don't think um, James Gunn is hurt at all by doing Marvel and now DC movies. Like, they're still bringing their voice. And they're, I'm sure there are things that they're probably like, oh, we didn't get to do this because of whatever reason. But I don't know that, you know if robert eggers goes on to make a marvel movie i don't think it's going to be yeah it'll probably be a little bit more accessible obviously than everything else that he's made but i feel like if you're hiring him and i think marvel is smart enough to know that if you're hiring a director you know uh that you're you're hiring him for what they can bring to the table you know Mm -hmm. um obviously Edgar Wright being the outlier.
0: Well, I was going to say for good and for bad, like Chloe Zhao, they brought in for the eternals for a reason. And there's a lot there. You can see that she brought to it. We we talked about that, but they hired her for a reason, you know? So yeah, I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah. It's just odd to me, you know, because Sam Raimi, I think (laughs) flourished making the Spider-Man movies. I think that, you know, uh, it was great that when he finished, he was like, you know what? I want to make, um, this small budget horror film. And I want to get back to my roots and not have to worry about decisions about like, you know, billions and or millions and millions of dollars. Um, but it was a question that I wanted to post to you is, is that, do you think that like, and you're more familiar with Egger's work than I have, I, I own the witch. I still haven't watched it. Cause I'm like, I need to be in the right headspace to watch this. Cause I know that it's going <laughs> to mess me up. Um, I have not seen the lighthouse. I've heard mixed reviews on it. Um I am interested in seeing The Northman. It scares me a little bit that everyone's so over the moon on it cuz I'm yeah. like, oh god, everybody loves it. I'm going to hate it. Um that's just my natural fear though. I'm always worried about being the odd man out. That in mind, do you do you honestly think that I don't I think that if you get Sam Raimi for for your Doctor Strange 2, you're getting it because he's he's you know, you get him because he's Sam Raimi. You get James Gunn because he's James Gunn. Yeah. You get Taika Waititi because they're white. Taika Waititi. I don't think that somebody's credit as a director should a be hurt because they do a Marvel movie. But also, it it seems that's a that comment, and it's from somebody who I like. I don't mean to throw that person on the bus, but um, it was just, when they said it, I was like, oh, that seems like you're just shitting on Marvel because it's easy. You know, yeah, uh, that's fair. And that's a whole other discussion. I know,
0: but well, so okay, here now th- you go. No, I now I go. So um, uh, th- two things. One, um, this is not the first time Serenity was brought up today for me. I, <laughs> like, it was weird because um, I, I while I was working today, what um, one, one of uh, my coworkers mentioned, like, oh, I like I she, she was like, I just want to say thank you to everybody uh, for. She's like, I'm not a Star Wars person, and how like. Our, our chat that we have on our team, because we all work virtually, she's like that nobody like brought up like Star Wars from like May the fourth. And I, I just, I was like, well, what, what space battle movie do you like? You know, like I was just like, you know, and then she posted a gif of wash right before things happened you know, in serenity. And I just Mm -hmm. like, I reacted sadly. She's like, you don't like firefly. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. I love firefly. I'm just sad for wash, you know? So, (laughs) and then then she made the comment here, like, um, you know, how do, how do reavers, uh, clean their spears? They run out through the wash, which, you know, anyway, spoiler, everybody. Oh, (laughs) Pretty good joke. I'm not gonna not gonna lie there. That um, is that's a pretty good joke. Um, oddly specific, but pretty good joke. Uh, so no, in terms of like, I think there's also the negative like, well, it just like Ramy brings his Raminess to it. So I'm like, yeah, that's why you hired him. This is supposed to be more of a horror like like whatever film. Like it just you know I want to be like you understand that this is the guy that kind of um like kind of set the stage for like the modern superhero movie. Like, just calm down, you know. Like, if we didn't have the first two and some parts of three Spider-Man films, we wouldn't be where we're at, you know. So, I'm excited for this. I, like I said, I've heard middling things. Um, again, you can't please everybody. I mean, you know, but um, I just sure let's just see what happens. Let's get weird, and I think Sam Raimi does weird in a lot of fun ways, right? And I mean, my God, like. Speaking to the testament of Sam Raimi, um, you know, you we just had No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home. We had two of the best villains, the two of the best Spider-Man villains come back in that film and have significant um impact in that movie, right? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't have No Way Home without Sam Raimi. So Whatever, mm. I just, I just, I think we'd bring that up, but we're going to get into this more next week. So I just, I figured that was worthy of a topic, and I think your points are interesting too. I think that you know, not that I'm saying David Eggers is going to do a Marvel film, but could you imagine if like I don't think they have the the live screen, um, live screen, the like the the movie rights to do a Conan film, but if they could do a David Eggers Conan film, I'd be like, yes, <laughs> like bring it to me, <laughs> you know, like, you know, whatever. Right. Like just get, get weird and, and like get dark, you know, like, but whatever, like you, you hire the people that you think are going to, 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 to be the best to bring that vision to, to light. Right. And, and if he ever, like there's, there's nothing saying that he's ever signed up to do anything. Cause he's going to, I think he's going to just march to his own drum. Good on him. You know? Um, so whatever. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into this more next week when we actually see the film and see the Raimi influences, right? If there isn't a lot of quick cuts of people's faces and that somebody goes to a woodshed for a chainsaw, they've missed out. I'm kidding. That's not going to happen. But do you think Bruce (laughs) Campbell's going to show up? Do you think Bruce Campbell's going to show up in any fashion? That'd be funny if they got. Uh,
1: I mean, if we want to, you know, place a bet right now, uh, yeah, Bruce Campbell's in there.
0: Do somewhere. you think the old, the was it the old eighty eight is going to show up? Do you think the car's going to show up for a second? Do you think it's going to show up somewhere? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: do. Do you think I think
1: those two things like, will show up? I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't show up as some sort of like Doctor Strange variant, or you know, uh, some weird character that you know Sam Raimi has an affinity for. Weirds yeah. like stilt man can i get stilt man in here and they're like stilt man and he's like he's a daredevil villain and they're like oh okay sure yeah but okay you know, so but- bruce
0: campbell showing up right okay <laughs> the, the car showing up uh, Ted Ramey showing up. Come on. I think that like we had a bingo card, right? And then, then the third thing, wh- what do you think the odds are of Jeffrey Combs showing up kind of as Dr. Mordred? What do you think the odds are <laughs> of that? I've never seen Dr. Mordred, but how great would that low. be? How great would that be if they had him showing up like adjacent too, right? How amazing would that be?
1: That would be really funny. Uh, and I love Jeffrey Combs. So Uh, If he popped up, I would be all about that. So uh, I am not saying I think it's going to happen, but it would be a very clever reference if they did.
0: And what if they also brought in like James McAvoy as young, um, you know, Xavier as well. And (laughs) they're like, wouldn't that be like crazy to like, you know, have all the X-Men like people like together. That would be, I don't know. We'll see. Kelsey Grammer coming as the beast. That's not going to happen. But like I say it now, I I think the best
1: I'll give Deadpool to this. It's got the best X-Men cameo ever where they're in the room and they just close the door. I think that's, I I don't think you can top
0: that. So that's fair, but you know, we got to get some Dr. Mordred in here. Just, that would be Jeffrey Combs showing up in some fashion. I know it's not going to happen, but if it does, I'm going to do everything in my power to not just jump up in the theater and scream at like at the the theater, like, yeah, you know, whatever. Anyway, I'll be that guy that ruins the movie going (laughs) experience for everybody else. So, um, there we go. That's going to be our bets, you know. Um. Also, well, okay. Here. Also, two other things here. The odds that Tom Cruise is going to show up as a superior Iron Man. What do you think the odds of that showing up?
1: You know, I know it's been talked about a lot. I think that if if it if it is uh, a cameo, they've kept it really under locks, yeah. lock and key and what about uh,
0: not- what about Jim from The Office showing up as Captain America too? What do you what do you think about that? What do you think the odds of that too?
1: I don't think it's Captain America. I, if they somehow wanted to weave in the fantastic four is that, that's, that's the rumor that I keep hearing is, is that like, you know, Oh, people want him for, you know, Reed Richards. And
0: I, I guess I could see that. Um, well, cause it was just down to him and Chris Evans though, for the role of Captain yeah. America, if I remember right. That's that. And also like, what if Namor shows up too? What if you get like, you know, um, like you know, give give me Zachary Quinto as Namor. That's what I want. You know, he's already figured out the eyebrows. Just just be be an underwater dick. You know, like it's fine. That'd be that'd be fine.
1: Well, you know, I I'm sure that Sony is now weighing these options since
0: you know Morbius
1: didn't do as well as they expected, and uh, you know they're they're trying to put out this entire line of, of Spider-Man villain movies where they're like. You know, oh, or Spider-Man Universe, I should say, like Madame Web with Hannah Hathaway, I think is is going to come out, or no, the girl from Fifty Shades of Grey, Dakota Johnson. Oh, Dakota Johnson,
0: yeah, yeah, that's her name. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you know, there, there's that. There's the Craven the Hunter movie, whatever. But I, I do think that you know, with the success of um, No Way Home, that there's talk where people are like, I could go for another Raimi Spider-Man, like. I'm not saying that that Tobey Maguire is going to pop up in here as Spider-Man. Although it would be funny if he popped up as some other character for no reason. Um, but like, Seabiscuit. I do think it would be interesting. He shows up if, as the
0: jockey from Sea That's what happens. That'd be great. Anyway, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: he shows up from Pleasantville, and he's in black and white for no reason. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I do think that you know, as we as things grow and grow we're probably going to start seeing more and more going back to your your point of like inclusion of all the other things that have come before so you know i don't know where you draw the line you know if if you're making the the idea of you know okay let's go back to end game real quick the whole premise of end game we were like oh if you haven't seen infinity war you can't watch Endgame. at the same time a lot of the way they solve the plot to end game is based in Thor, the dark world, which is a movie that a lot of people didn't like for one two, a movie that, you know, if you haven't seen that, are you going to get those references? So yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like it's going to become more and more inclusive and, you know, uh, anything's uh, on the table. And if I get like another Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and even though I wasn't a fan of the first Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man movie and didn't see it, the second one, um, I would, you know, if if they were like, we're going to make a new Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie off of his performance in that, I would be, I would be interested. So, like, where do you draw the line as to what you have to have watched and what you haven't? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I I had a point in there somewhere. Well, no, because like,
0: so okay, well, we're we're get to the other story in a second, but like, you made a a good example. So you've not seen the uh, Amazing Spider-Man two, but when Electro shows up, you're like, oh shit, uh, who? Like, you know, it's like you just whatever. Like, it's just, oh, he's an electric guy and he looks way better here yeah. than he looked in that movie, which they kind of hand way away, right? Whatever, it's fine. But yeah, did you have to see that? No, you didn't have to, you know, and it's fine. Like, you know, like if I hadn't just happened to be a completionist and happened to have the movies already available for me to watch, I didn't see either one of those in the theater, uh, the, the Amazing Spider Man films. But you know, I think like, like when I went, okay, a good example, when we went to go see it in the theater with my, was with my wife, I told her, I was like, there's the possibility that there's going to be Spider-Mans in this film, which she'd already, she's seen it in the Spider-Verse. So the idea of like multiple Spider-Mans, like, wasn't like, you know, uh, foreign to her, but I was like, there's going to be villains showing up from these other movies, potentially. and She's like, okay, whatever you just roll with it. Like she didn't question it, you know? So I'm like, good. Cause I don't have well- to try to explain all this, you know? would the Matt Murdock
1: scene be ruined for people if they hadn't watched three seasons of daredevil?
0: That's fair. She actually already knew. Cause she just from just me watching daredevil. She like, she just kind of like glommed that from osmosis. So she enjoyed that as well, you know? So, right. Yeah. But I
1: mean, does that ruin people's experience is what I'm, I'm saying. Like, like,
0: I, don't, I don't know who that somebody. blind lawyer is that catches bricks. I need to know you know, <laughs> like who is, who is yeah. brick catcher? Who is this character in the Marvel cinematic universe? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into more of this uh, later uh, next week. It's going to be another three hour episode. Everybody talk in. So um, other story you have here, we don't have three. Um, and it's funny that this one had a lot of legs when I'm just like, peep, the reviews are out, whatever. Anyway. So this one's a story for me. It's a secret story for Steve. Here's the headline. Crash Covers Missouri Road in Cans of Hard Seltzer is the headline. This was um, earlier today. A Missouri road was covered in adult beverages with a tractor trailer hauling a load of 44,000 pounds of hard seltzer overturned in the roadway. Uh, Missouri State Police said the truck went off the right side of Sunset Boulevard, and wherever, who cares. Um, the driver overcorrected causing the truck to overturn. Um, <laughs> the overturned truck spilled uh, cans of Vizzy hard seltzer across the roadway which I've not drank, but I'm going to send you right now. I'm going to send this via Skype. So everybody bear with us because we're old and we don't understand technology. I'm going to send you the link. So you can see the photo of, of the sadness of this. Um, cause you know, I drink the hard seltzers and just seeing all of this. Like, I feel like this would have been with like, this would have been my moment with Homer and the, um, the truck full of sugar. I feel like this would have been my moment. <laughs> Oh no!
2: Yeah, no, that's a, I'm looking that's at the
1: photo now. Oh no! I, I mean, it, it's all drinkable though. It's still like a lot of intact cans and packaging. So yeah, I, you you would you just know, think if uh, you're quick uh, enough. You
0: I, uh, off screen is me running up and grabbing everything and running away. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> like but I like that they're not going to talk about like the environment environmental impact. It's like oh, it's seltzer and things were fine. Like, um, some the local wildlife got a bit tipsy, but whatever, it's okay. You know, whatever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like I've not drank busy. I, I, you know, I've not ventured out to that, but you know, it's hard seltzer and, um, you know, I, I'm just, I'm sad. Cause if this would have been like a truckload of like Miller light or Coors light, I, Steve, I know you would have been like, well, we got to do a 21 gun salute or something. So, you Yeah. <laughs> Like, wasn't wasn't smoking the bandit based upon him trying to get, like, beer across the Mississippi to somebody that was paying a lot of money? I
1: believe you've brought this up before, and I was like, I don't – I've seen smoking the bandit, like, 35 years ago, but I'm like, I don't remember that being the plot. And you're like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, okay.
0: Because I think it's involving Coors beer. So let me uh, see what the plot is here. Um, What was it? Wealthy Texan big uh, Enos Burdett and his son little Enos have sponsored a race in Atlanta Southern Classic want to celebrate style when he wins. So they're seeking a trucker willing to bootleg Coors beer to Atlanta for refreshment. So they basically he has to get Coors to Atlanta. So (laughs) how how times have changed. Um, they offered him $80,000 <laughs> $80, and they said equivalent to $357,000 in 2021 to haul four <laughs> cases of course from Texarkana to Atlanta in 28 hours. So we need to, we need to revisit smoking the bandit. All right. Yeah.
2: All and, right. Yeah.
0: And drink cores and eat weird, weird food. But anyway, I just wanted to share my tragedy story of, um, seltzers just, you know, like that all is. I think that photo you saw isn't that equivalent to like the Hindenburg tragedy? Isn't that exactly like it's <laughs> yes. the same thing? It's exactly the same thing, right? It's the same thing as me making light of blood and urine uh, and kidney stones, right? It's the exact same thing. Like this is on par. No one's talking about the tragedy. <laughs> 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 won't won't I mean, anybody think, no one... won't anybody oh, think of ahead. the basic bitches? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know I, what was staggering to me is is that you know I, I think sometimes I forget about just how big the world is. and reading this, it says forty four thousand pounds, and you're like, how is that possible? And that's probably for like one town, you know what I mean like, it's not like that was going to like numerous states and and you know probably supplying a lot of alcohol to a lot of people. And it's just like it's 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 probably a drop in the bucket, you know. Um, and I I know that this really doesn't have any bearing on the story itself, but uh, that's my my thought as I turn away from this room.
0: Like Jesus, you know, that's a lot of
1: a lot of alcohol on the road and in reality though it's really not.
0: No it's so, not. So i and it also said that the person hauling um the the um you know the drinks there uh the person they said a 59-year-old nebraska woman and her dog were not seriously injured in the crash. So um when they talk about the overcorrected do you think the dog ran around in the cab of the truck or something was going on like do you think there was some like uh, shenanigans going on when that happened? Oh yeah, he
1: probably saw another dog and started flipping <laughs> out <right? laughs>
0: Or, or just something he thought was a dog,
1: right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> or a squirrel is running by.
0: Yeah, so a squirrel is go. running by, giving him the thing. The finger, yeah. Like, you know, how about these nuts? Like, <laughs> and the, the the truck just tips over. You know, yeah. But what if this is the beginning of like Return of the Living Dead, but it's just with hard seltzer and not trioxin? What if this is what actually happens? <laughs>
1: I guess there are worse ways to
0: die. <laughs> all right, so that's your news. Uh, some speculation about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and some seltzers. Uh, some heart seltzers took a hard fall, and um, and and no joy was had. Right, like because what's going to happen is every one of those packages that aren't even damaged are going to get destroyed because you can't, in good conscience, like deliver them. Right, like, they're all going to get destroyed. Um, yeah. But but maybe the police were like, some of this is evidence. And then that's it. Like, they, <laughs> like it just goes away, right? Like, they, they take it to their secret cocaine room that they have, right? And they're like, oh, okay. Like, we're just going to party a little bit tonight. You know, who knows, right? So... Um, so yeah. There's a secret <laughs> cocaine room. But that, yeah, you know, like what what is it? Um, civil forfeiture. Yeah, you know they have a room full of shit that they take, right? Like, let's just be honest. We know that's the truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at me getting dark and real there for a second. So um, so yeah, there you go. That's that's our news. Um now let's get on to our um our feature presentation about surviving supercon and how we survived fan expo. That's not news. The no, wrong button, wrong hooray denied. And now for our feature presentation.
1: For this week's feature presentation, we're going to be talking about the 2019 documentary, Surviving Supercon. And we're also going to be talking about our our experiences at Fan Expo Cleveland, which happened just this past weekend. Uh, The the main reason that I wanted to talk about this is that I've done, over the last 10 to 15 years, well, okay, if we're talking about Lifetime, I've at least been to 50 different conventions. I can say that as a professional, I've probably done at least 10 to 15 different conventions. And I always think of it in terms of me as the person who's at a table. And I try to also think of it as the person who is, you know, walking around the convention. You know, I try to keep in, in mind the people who are gonna be there, what they're interested in, you know, and ways to engage them. Um, For this, though, the thing that I thought was the most fascinating aspect of this documentary, which I had previously watched, was that it covers the behind the scenes. And it's not like, oh, you know, there's there's some melodrama to it, but a lot of it is just like, here are all the things that go wrong whenever somebody's trying to plan a convention or, you know, how hard somebody might have to work to actually do this, which, as somebody who often has a table at conventions, I never really give that much cons- much thought. I was going to say concerned, but that's not the... I don't think about it at all, is, is basically what I'm saying. So, this documentary got me to think about, like, oh, you know what, there are other people who are involved, you know, that are managing this whole thing and trying to keep it together and all my bitches and complaints and not that i have a lot of them mind you but when it comes to conventions there are certain things that you run into that i either happen over and over again or sometimes are specific to con con but uh it's it's interesting to me to think like okay how about we talk about my experience in your experience as somebody who had a table at a local convention and then contrast contrast that to the documentary. Um, So as we start out here, I just want to guys give you guys a little bit of background on what goes into having a table at a convention like this. And I'm talking an artist alley table. Um, If you're somebody who has a big booth with toys and stuff like that, they're not paying uh, Artist Alley table prices, they're paying premium dollars to be in those positions. So um, I think I heard someone say that one of the booths at Fan Expo was a couple thousand dollars for that specific spot mm. uh, because of the amount of like area that they had, where they were located. I don't know if that's true or not, but just to give you an idea, like I'm giving it to you from the lowest guy on the totem pole. Where the Artist Alley, and I'm not saying that to be self-deprecating, I'm saying that, Artist Alley, unfortunately, for being what started conventions in a lot of ways, comics, Artist Alley is sort of like the lesser of the attractions, I guess, is the best way of putting it, for conventions. So, um, And it's also the cheapest table that you can get at a, at a convention. And when I say cheap, you may actually, after you hear some of the things that I'm going to tell you, go, oh, wow, that's not really that cheap. So, to start off, uh, I want to cover. There was a timeline for this convention that I kind of documented. Um, that I kind of I want to cover um, how it goes from me discovering that this convention actually exists to inquiring about it to you know actually sh- having my table there and in being there last weekend. So that timeline starts on March fifteenth. I submit through the Fan Expo website my application to have a table there under the saturday night slasher typically with most of these deals guys they usually include two chairs and two badges and a table and tables either usually six or eight feet long these tables happen to be six feet as opposed to eight feet Uh, so it is a smaller space but you you typically will get two chairs and, and two badges for the convention for all weekend as an exhibitor um but I, I apply... Oh, okay, so let me go back. I actually didn't know that this show was even happening. Uh, whereas I feel like I, I'm well aware of a lot of other conventions that are coming. Um, and I don't want to put this at the feet of, of Cleveland Fan Expo, but I feel like it just came out of nowhere. I feel like they didn't really get the word out on it. And that's not to say that the turnout wasn't great for that show because I've done sh- shows with way worse turnout, but... I was surprised that a show coming to Cleveland, uh, that was taking over Wizard World happening in, you know, a month and a half from the time that I find out about it was surprising. Like I, I should have known about the show like last year, if they were doing their job right. And that's not me taking them to task, it's just that like if if there'd been more marketing, I guess, for the show, uh, that would have been I would have known about it way sooner. We'll put it that way. And I, I honestly didn't know about it until I think it was former co-host Joe who brought it up. Well, am I right on that, Paul? I think you're right. Cause I feel like it was in our team chat or yeah, our team chat, <laughs> uh, work chat, <laughs> work chat. Yeah. Work chat? I, I mean, we're all, we um, all
0: work together as friends. Not, we all, no, if we don't know. Yeah. We're all working to try and make this threesome work. <laughs> um, the one rule no, is no I, eye contact. That's the one thing we've done a good job at. But continue, please. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so March 15th, I, I submit my application online through their website. And typically you, you hear back about conventions it, if they're going to give you a table or not or if they actually have space available, usually within a week. Um, the, <laughs> most conventions want their money right away. So if they can get your whatever you're paying for, your, your table spot ASAP, they're going to take it. So I was, I was surprised, you know, uh, that, you know, I, I submit my application. And I get a response that's basically, we've received it, y- your application and our team will be looking it over. When the application is all good to go, you'll receive an email confirming your approval with a contract. So I'm like, okay, they'll send me a contract and tell me all the specifics of the show. I'll I'll just wait. And by the end of the first week of April, I was absolutely convinced. I'm like, well, this show's just not going to happen for us, it's, which is fine. It wasn't like I was dying to get into the show. But initially I was like, OK, you know, it's just not going to be a thing. April 7th, I get an email that says, we're looking forward to seeing you at Fan Expo Cleveland. Uh, your booth number at the show is is blah, blah, blah. So I see this and I'm like, I never got a contract. I never paid anything. There's something wrong here. So the same day, April 7th, I send an email and I say to them, you know, hey, um, I received an email listing my table space for FanX, but Cleveland, however, I never received a contract. The only email I actually received was in response to my application, which stated I'd be receiving a contract (laughs) um, and that I was waiting for approval. I said, so I'm like, I'm just curious if I was included in this email by mistake or if a contract will be emailed to me shortly, you know, please please let me know at your earliest convenience. Uh, The next day I do get an email back that says things are always evolving over here. Your email and table number is a confirmation of your approval. We will be moving away from docu-signed contracts moving forward. docu is just basically the form that they make you fill out to apply to be a vendor. So I'm like, okay, great. And I'm waiting for them to be, hey, send us your payment via these options, PayPal, you know, MasterCard, Visa, um, Venmo, whatever. Like typically they'll send you the terms of, of payment. And this far up for or this close to a show, you know, they don't want you to send in a check via snail mail. Mm-hmm. Um so they'll they'll typically like try and get your money as quickly and as is the most efficiently way that they can. Um so I get an email um, on the 17th and I, they still haven't billed me yet. They have, there's no, I haven't paid for it. And I get an email that says due to a logistics change in the fuller plan. Your new booth number is a six ten. We apologize for any last minute inconvenience, but look forward to seeing you at the show. So I'm a little like at this point, I'm like, okay, well they've moved my table, but I still have not received anything about making payment. I'm like, should I just verify with them? So I send an email. I'm like, hey, I got this new email. My table's changing. That's fine. I just want to know, can you tell me who I need to contact <clears throat> regarding payment? And I get an email the next day that says, uh, you know, there have been system uh, systems issues being worked on recently. We'll have capabilities to take payments on site. Apologize. Apologies for any inconvenience. To me, that's, that's really odd hmm. that they don't want my... Uh, Like usually it's the first thing that they Like a lot of shows won't accept you Until you pay them uh, For the table in the sense of like Listing you on their site which is another thing That Fan Expo doesn't do Apparently is they don't list the people who are In the the artist alleys With bios and photos and you know What their products are A lot of conventions do apparently that's not a thing that Fan Expo Does but I'm I'm used At being a an option uh not an option uh, being a feature is like i guess a better way of putting it so um that leads us to uh two days before the convention which is uh that would have been the 26th or yeah i believe it was the 26th uh i get a, a, a voicemail from uh a number that i don't know <laughs> and uh I go to I look listen to it, and it yeah, it was from April 27th, my apologies. April 27th, I'll just read you the transcription here. Hopefully there were no uh, no issues with the transcription, but uh, this is two days before the show, guys, mind you. Hi, Steven, this is Alex with uh, Fan Expo, and just wanted to connect with you on the last-minute details uh, for the show. A lot of our last-minute clients applied within the last 30 to 45 days, which... I'm probably right around that 45-day mark. Um, He says, and they didn't get notices. They were accepted. Uh, We do have you coming to the show. and You have been placed in an artist alley. Um, If you're coming, you don't need to confirm, but please call me back at blah, blah, blah. So we're two days away from the show, and they're not even sure if I'm coming, which I'm like, that's really odd. Like, particularly when you think of I could have just not shown up and they'd have been out there, their, their table fees. Cause I never paid, you know, I could have easily not even done the show and just been like, you know what? Maybe I don't feel like going, I'm not doing this now. Um, I, that's an unusual part of my experience with conventions as well. So um, as I'm, I've, I've talked about a little bit about my experience with just getting the table and i kind of want to give you guys a little bit of a you know behind the scenes on that but next i want to talk about the financial part of it and i I know i'm going long here paul um but uh hopefully you'll bear with me just a little bit longer just because
0: i think this is good information as well i mean so when you guys going uh, along really going along going along I continue, please. No, you have the floor. Steve.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's a very long uh, intro to an episode, um, but I just I, I wanted to me- make mention of you know I'm going to be upfront about what I paid for things. You know, um, the table itself, which apparently, if you had paid last year, which I didn't even know the convention was going to be a thing last year, uh, they had a, a cheaper rate for the um, artist alley tables. And, uh, uh, what I was, uh, ended up paying was $280. And I, I paid that the day I walked into the convention and got my badge to get to my table. And what's funny is I actually, I didn't actually pay it right away. I, they gave me my badges. I walked away, start heading to my table, start setting stuff up. The guy who had helped me 20 minutes previously, he's like, uh, hey, come back to the booth with me. Um, it seems we don't have your payment. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I wasn't going to offer that up. (laughs) You know, I wasn't going to be like, you know, I'm there now. So I'm just, I'm still assuming at some point I'm going to get some sort of, you know, invoice from them via email to make a payment. So I didn't say anything, but, you know, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. So we go back, uh, I'm charged in my table space for the weekend, uh, which the show ran, technically friday from four to nine however they gave vip access two hours early um and and this is again not a disparaging comment for myself or anyone in artist alley but the people who are vips aren't running in to get to artist alley that's not like they're like i'm gonna go to artist alley and buy some independent comic first no (laughs) they're looking to get access to either you know exclusives for the show toys celebrities whatever they're they're not running to Artist Alley. So, you know, that's... From 2 to 9, that's 7 hours on Friday. Uh, the show on Saturday was 9.30 in the morning for VIP access, and then everybody else got in at 10 or 10.30, I don't remember. And that ran until 7. So you, you're, you've you got a, a good solid... Close to 10 hours on the floor for, for that day. Um, and then... Sunday was nine thirty to five o'clock. Um, and if, if you're, if you're not packing up, uh, before five o'clock on that day, like you must be doing really well. Like uh, okay. you must still have people at your table, but usually you'll start seeing people packing up their stuff earlier. But, you know, for an entire weekend, you know, you're paying for essentially, you know, maybe 20 hours of exposure to audiences. We'll put it that way. Um, so for the weekend, my table for the two badges, the table, two chairs, by the way, the most uncomfortable chair I've ever sat in. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, $280 is what I spent for that table. So with that in mind now, now typically, you know, um, if, if Ryan and I are, are doing convention together, and we're going to be there the whole time. You know, we'll split the cost, so that can be broken down. You know, by the, the two people who are whole, having the table there. But you know, I I wanted to do the show, and he was only available for part of it. I'm not going to make him pay me for a show that he wasn't really on. It wasn't really on his schedule, and wasn't something that he uh, uh, even was going to be available for some of. So, uh, $280 is what I pay for the table, and my apologies if i didn't say this earlier the people who got that early rate would have paid 250 uh so um i think i i went into the details of the amount of hours that you get for the table but it was 250 if you paid before uh december and then anybody after was 280 i want to also make mention though when i went up to make that payment that the gentleman was going to take uh they're like, okay, that'll be and twenty five dollars. I was like, what? <laughs> and I, what? I, I could not at my head. Just I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, I show four twenty five. I'm like, I was two eighty when I uh, submitted my, you know, uh, application. And you know, not having it, I was I was easily going to go to war over this if I had to. Thankfully, I didn't. They're like, oh, you know what? It's a typo. I looked up your original application. It's two eighty. I'm like, okay, thankfully, because I'm like. That's a jump of $145 for a company that did not give me a contract to do a convention. I would yes. have easily just walked back out with all my shit. Like that would have <laughs> But you know, that gives you a little bit of an idea of what somebody's gonna pay for tables. And some tables, some conventions are a lot more than just 280. So I'm putting that out there as well. Next I had to pay for parking all three days. Not a big deal. Usually I'm staying at a hotel that's connected to a convention, so I get free parking, so it's not usually a factor. But it was $10 for me each day, so I paid $30 for the parking. Um, because I have moved, I initially, when I was doing this convention, thought to myself, oh, I I can just drive home every night. You know, <laughs> It's not a big deal to me to drive home an no. hour because I do it for work right now anyways – and my wife smartly said, you know what? Why don't you give yourself a break and get yourself a hotel room for the weekend? And I was like, all right, that's that's a good idea. Why don't well, I'll do that. So I looked at the, the um, prices of the the hotels that are downtown Cleveland. And there is one that's specifically connected to the convention center. I don't remember which one it was. I think it might be a better Hilton. Um, but. Uh their room block for the convention specials were already sold out. Um and they were in the if I remember correctly, somewhere between two fifty and three hundred dollars a night.
0: Oh Jesus Christ. Uh we've paid less yeah, for so, uh, Vegas for like when we're yeah. yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> I couldn't believe how high price that was. And that was uh because there's a um holiday inn down that way that was like over two hundred the, I looked at all the hotels within the, the area, um, and I was like, well, I'm not paying this. I'll drive home. There's no way I'm spending this. So I looked, and I was like, well, what's the cheapest hotel I can find? And it was a Red Roof Inn that was in Middleburg Heights, which is a 15, 20-minute drive away from the convention center. It was actually a very easy drive, because that was the thing that worried me. I was just like, oh, is this is going to be a pain in the ass drive to get to the hotel from the convention center and vice versa. It, it was actually a pretty painless drive as far as getting to and from but i paid 160 i'm sorry 137.46 for two nights of a hotel okay, and that so just tells
0: you all right you let know, me uh, let me grab uh, a calculator I, here. so okay so so far let me let me do some math here this is my not my strong suit um so we have uh, you said uh, 280 for your table um and they said 30 for parking yep. and then what was the total for the hotel $137. Um, $137. All right, so continue. So uh,
1: those are the major expenses. Now, there's also things like food, um, and Paul can attest to this. <laughs> um, yeah. On yeah. Sunday, I went and bought chicken fingers and fries, which were three chicken fingers and then a side of uh, the most inferior cut of all potatoes, the the uh, crinkle cut, yeah. So we we can agree uh, on that, yes. This doesn't include a drink. It doesn't anything like that. It's just three chicken tenders, or chicken fingers, and some crinkle cut fries. Fourteen dollars. Okay,
0: so fourteen dollars, and then you bought a soda, which was like four dollars.
1: It was four dollars and thirty four cents. Oh, four thirty four. Okay, there we go. I'm like, no, I just I remember like four dollars and thirty four cents now obviously that wasn't the only thing i ate that weekend i also you know the night of when i got back to towards the hotel the the night friday i went to a five guys which apparently has also increased its prices uh since i was last there because uh i got the uh double with uh bacon which i was expecting to be you know a good chunk change and just a regular fry and yes they dump a whole bunch of fries in your bag it is you get a lot for what you get but it was 18 dollars. usually i i think i pay like 13 or 14 for that so i was like wow that 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 seemed to have gone up um and then i also went to target that day beforehand to buy things like peanut butter crackers and candy and Pringles so that I'd have something to eat at the table so that I would not go and spend ridiculous amounts like $14 on a order of chicken fingers. So the numbers that I'm giving you so far are just, that's nothing like food or if I want to go meet somebody, whether it be a celebrity or an artist and buy something from them, you know, that's granted that's recreational money but still, well, okay. So, you're re- can quite you give me already. give
0: me a rough estimate of what you spent at Target on candy as an adult and uh, peanut butter crackers?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I had I did grab other things, so but I'm gonna guess probably twelve to fifteen dollars, just because. Okay. I bought an assortment of a bunch of different okay. things. We'll just say fifteen uh, on the high end. Like, All
0: right, so we got fifteen. Yeah, and then you spent money on vendors. I mean, I understand that. Okay, like aside from you did buy uh, gifts for your wife. Let's 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 not factor that yes. in. Yes, that's no. Yeah, that no. was going to happen uh, regardless. So, what else did you spend money on?
1: So um, I met Tony Harris, who is uh, interesting to me. That you're he's an artist that. You like uh, one of his pieces of work that I have not read, and you adore that comic. And uh, I have read a comic of his that I love and adore uh, that you have not read either. So yeah. it's interesting. We had we both had a love of Tony Harris's artwork. For different for reasons. Different yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, for Paul, it was uh, Ex Machina, and for me, it was Starman. I, I love the 90s Starman. So yeah. – uh, when I went to his table, I initially was like, oh, you know, I don't know what I want. And, you know, I, do I get another print? Do I not? Because, uh, you know, I'm still putting stuff up at our house. And I'm like, I'm running out of wall room. Uh, but I looked over and he had a a sketchbook. And I was like, oh, it's a $20 sketchbook. This is great because I get the best of both worlds. I get a lot of his art uh, and something unique that I can look at anytime I want as opposed to, you know, Excuse me, just a uh, – uh, this is shitty of me to say this because the next part is going to make me sound like a real ass. No, no.
0: Continue, please. Um, let, let me deliver that. Yep. That's funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i passed on buying a piece of uh, – a, a print of his artwork because so it was just like I don't know where I'd put this and I love his artwork so much. I'd rather just have a book of his art as opposed to a, a pen or uh, a uh, print. And then Paul, you tell your side of the story.
0: No, so you spent twenty dollars on an art book, right? Is what you're saying for him, right?
1: Yes. And I mean okay. he's not the only person that I met, but Okay, no, no, continue. Okay. No, Do you just, want me to go through the other people? Yeah, I
0: I have a running total that you're gonna be sad when we get to the end here. So I continue, please. Okay.
1: So um, after that I, I met um, comic book. Uh, artist by the name of Jonathan Jonathan Glapion. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. Um, he's primarily known as an inker, but uh, he does a little bit of everything. Uh, he was the inker for uh, a lot of Greg Capullo's work on Batman, and uh, he he was an artist who I followed on YouTube. Um, but he hasn't posted a new video in like I don't know four or five years. And I mentioned that to him. I'm like, you know, I discovered your work through YouTube, so uh, now like I'd never heard of Batman, but I was unaware of him you before have that.
0: Like, I just, there's uh-huh. a guy named the Batman. I not like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he just started like, he's like, he's like, you're still waiting on videos. I guess. Thank you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still waiting on new videos. Um, but, uh, I bought a, a mini piece from him. That was probably and by piece. I mean, a print on original artwork. I bought a print of, uh, batman piece that he did that's probably five inches by seven inches uh and he was selling those for 15 so i spent 15 dollars with him
0: okay and then if no there's if one other artist that you met about, yeah you met another artist that you talked yes to there you, you is know.
1: i was just trying to think if I, I spent any other money that wasn't dedicated to kathy at the convention because well, you and also I bought a bunch of comics so, so too you brought one.
0: over you brought over a slew of books that you went over like searching yeah, yeah. so
1: I did. Um, So there was one thing that I was going to get signed by this legendary artist by the name of Mark. uh, I almost said Kevin McGuire. I don't know why I almost said Mark McGuire. (laughs) Well,
0: because you love love hitting dingers. You love dingers. Yeah. Right. You know. You love you love what was but, uh the, I was about to call them the Bang Bros. That's not they, they were the Smash Brothers, right, or whatever it was. You know the Bang Bros. Yeah. Mark McQuarrie, <laughs> Bang that That's a different thing all together. <laughs> Just nibble on a bus. You don't question it. You don't question the Bang Bros. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so Kevin McGuire, uh legendary artist. Um, I have a book that's called Modern Masters with his artwork. That's all about him. And that's what I was going to get signed. I forgot it. So I was like. I get to the convention and I never see him at his table. So I think to myself, Oh, he's not here. And then Sunday I finally walk by his table at the time that he's actually there. And I'm like, Oh, he is here. So I'm like, I need to go find something to have him sign. So I go back into the convention and start digging through bins of comics. I I actually stumble across this one guy who's got like just a ton of Different uh, Justice League comics, and he had quite a few of the ones that McGuire had drawn, and they were two dollar boxes. So uh, I was like, "Oh, or two dollar issues, I should say." So I'm going through, and I'm I'm like, "Oh, I'm grabbing this one. I'm gonna grab this one," you know, and then I'll just decide which ones I want to get signed when I get back at the table. I, I I don't buy all Justice League comics by Kevin McGuire, but I probably buy seven or eight. Uh, just Justice League comics, so that's about $16 there, but I end up getting to an even total of, of 30 by picking up some other weird things, that not drawn by him, that I'm just like, oh, Deathlock number one, I've never read Deathlock. Oh, Deathlock number two, I guess I might as well get that, because I'm getting number one. I've never read Evil Ernie in my entire life. There was a issue of Evil, Evil Ernie, I'm like, you know what? I follow Brian Polito, who's the creator of Evil Ernie, um, I I've never read an evil Ernie comic. I should, I should check this out. Um, and I bought a couple other miscellaneous, you know, comics that I've never read. So I spend $30 there. And then I go over to meet Kevin McGuire and to give you an, I got an idea of his work. He, he does comedy really well. He's a, he's one of the cleanest artists I've ever seen draw anything. Um, and at one point, uh, publishers were not even paying anchors. They were just turning his pencils into, just in Photoshop, basically increasing the, um, the adjusting the black level and turning his pencils into ink lines and printing those. So that's how clean of an artist he is. But he's most famous for this issue of Justice League, which I actually happen to find in that bin, because I didn't have it with me. Uh, it's it, Justice League number five. Um, and this is from probably the mid-80s, and it it features um, a character by the name of Guy Gardner, who's a Green Lantern, who is famously known to be an asshole uh, in the comics, being one punch by Batman. It's probably, uh, somebody could probably prove prove me wrong and make a case for other arguments for other comics with, like, legendary moments, but I would say that this is easily the most famous punch in any comic ever done. Like I, I can't think of a better punch being done or a more um, important punch, I guess, happening within comics uh, than this. So I was very excited to meet him, um, and I had him sign that and a couple other issues of comics. Uh, but then I'm looking through his... He's got a folder of work, and I'm like, I'm going to guess this is all going to be out of my price range. But I asked him about one piece, and I'm like, uh, is this 300 and he's like, no, no, everything in there is stuff that I just seem, you can't seem to get rid of. So it's 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 priced to to go out. He's like, everything in that book is either thirty dollars or two for fifty. I'm like,
2: ooh, OK. <laughs> so
1: I end up uh, buying a page of that's pretty much all blue line. Blue line, guys, is, this is. A pencil wouldn't reproduce on. Um, a photocopy back in the day. So a lot of artists drew in blue first and then went over the work either with a pencil or their ink. Um, and that was they never had to worry about that blue line reproducing. Um, so he had a full page that was possibly, you know, layouts or something that he was going to tighten up later. I don't know specifically, but it's a f- it's a full page of characters talking. and I'm like, he's known for his facial expressions. He's known for being the guy that you get. If you have two characters talking to each other, cause he does it extremely well. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely getting this. And then he had a full inked page from an uh, issue of gen 13. And I, there must not be any, you know, known characters in that, that page, but it's again, a wonderfully drawn, uh, an inked page, uh, a full page worth of art. I got, you know, both of those for $50. So that's what I spent at his table. Um, and I'm still like, I'm shocked that I was able to walk away with, you know, two pieces from him for $50. Like I would have thought that I was going to be paying, you know, even for a prelim or something that he wasn't, you know, a layout that wasn't an actual drawing. I thought that, you know, it was going to be much more expensive. So I was very happy at those prices.
0: Okay. So, um, all right. So to our rough knowledge, and this doesn't include the things that you bought for your wife, which I don't like that was, you're going to spend that money regardless to get her a nice thing. So, um, yes. all right. Well, are we ready? Like, uh, do I have a, do I have a drum drum roll? Let's see what I have here. Um, here, here, this is here. I have this. All right. So what you spent, um, roughly, uh, six thirteen thirty four in and change. Um, so, wow. all right, sorry, sorry for the reality of, of life. Um, that doesn't count for yeah. the gas well, money well, and also the emotional money you spent having me around. So whatever. Um, <laughs> so what, what, well, what, the what, did, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Say please. Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. No, I apologize. I just,
1: one other thing that I wanted to just give you a basis for is, is that I actually didn't spend any money to get anything printed for the show. I, I bought comics, I bought quite a few comics back. During the pandemic, I believe, um, uh, there was a sale uh, going on. So I had a bunch of Saturday Night Slashers printed up, um, and I still have uh, probably at least another 50 of each of both of those comics still. So, well, no, so you, had a, you had already had an inventory that was baked in. The next convention.
0: Yeah. So you already had like a set stock. Yeah. So, so okay, I had, yeah. I didn't,
1: yeah. I didn't have to pay for getting the comic printed this time. I didn't have any new prints made. I didn't you know, pay for stickers or, or pins or anything like that. Um, the only thing that I had at this point beyond the table space and all that other stuff was was time. So there was nothing inventory-wise that I spent. But I, do, I will make just mention of this real quick, guys. Uh, the comic itself cost me about $2.85 to get printed. So
0: I just wanted to throw that out. Okay. So um, what was your rough take? Like, you know, just, I'm curious. So I had a couple commissions.
1: I had some sketch card commissions, which I only charged $10 for those. So that was two? Um, And they were
0: two kids. Was it with two commissions or 20? Okay. Continue. And then I had
1: somebody buy a uh, a sketch card that I had already done that was in a frame. So he bought that. So that takes me up to 30. And then I have a commission that I'm working on for somebody that I couldn't complete at the convention. uh, That is going to be another $35. So uh, with that and then sales of the comic, uh, I probably came in because I don't have the final numbers. I didn't sit down and and redo inventory as far as what I sold. But my estimate is is that I'm going to come out right around close to breaking even for the table.
0: Okay. Based on what I know I sold. Okay. So you're still upside down on hotel and everything else. Oh yeah. What you're saying. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, not that I'm being like, ha, 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 you lost money, but like, but, but be fair though. Let me, <laughs> let me throw this out there. Anytime anybody goes to a convention, you lose money. Like even if you're not selling, you know, you're going to go spend money. Right. So that was like, but thank you oh, for yeah. sharing your costs and explaining where everything is. Cause I think it's very important for people. Cause anytime you go to a convention, you see somebody trying to like, you know, huck their wares, They've already not like you, you already talked about how you didn't have to make anything new for the show. That doesn't even count for the cost of what you've already produced, you know? And there's, Mm -hmm. and there's, there's also the sweat equity of you and Ryan making, you know, the comic, like it's hard to quantify all that. Right. So just because you might sell, you know, X number of issues, you know, it's really, really hard to like, you know, be like, is it like, did, did we break even? Did we go above? And it's not just you, there's plenty of people there that like they're passionate about what they do and like, did they come out ahead? Like ultimately we don't know, mm. you know? So I, I think, I thank you for sharing that. And, and it, that's the yeah. thing. Go ahead. please. Yeah.
1: The reason I wanted to share it was, was just a, and my apologies, I keep cutting you off. Uh, the, the only reason I really wanted to share it was, is to give just an honest opinion about not opinion because it's not an opinion, give you honest facts about what goes into doing a table at a show um not all shows are going to be as high as this there are shows that are higher um but you know gem city which we did last year and we will be doing again in july uh you know that table was only 75 dollars. you know so it is a, a there is a scale depending upon size and in type of show but i just wanted to give a little bit of context and i don't want to make it feel like oh feel bad for me i lost money I just want to give you guys the reality of what you're, it, what it takes to, you know, money wise to try and do what we're doing at this level. You know, I, I don't know how some people make it out of a convention and walk away with money. As far as right. at least as far as what I do, being an independent comic book art, you know, artist, I'm not, I'm not selling a bunch of you know prints of, you know copyrighted characters you know and i'm not passing judgment on that i've i've done fan art prints as well but um i will say the gentleman who was next to me you know that was this entire thing and like he was you know very sales aggressive he was very worried about his numbers um Whereas I'm somebody who's just sitting there, and I'm like, you know, there's a line in Chasing Amy where Alyssa says that if she feels if she sells two issues, she feels like John Grisham. That's kind of where I'm at. I know that I'm not, I'm not pushing, you know, something that's, you know, for everyone. I also know that I'm not uh, putting out a bunch of stuff of licensed characters. Yes, I'll do commissions. Yes, I have sketch guards. Um, yes, I, you know, in the past have done fan art pieces. But the main reason I'm there is because is I want you to spend money on my comic. Now that I want you to spend money on my comic. Let me rephrase that. No, you I want do. you to buy my no, comic, you, and read no. it, yeah, they're, and they're, discover Yes. Yeah, like, and build an audience. You know? Yeah. That, that, yeah so they, I'm yeah. I'm less focused on the money as the gentleman next to me was like losing his mind the entire time <laughs> because he was worried about making up uh, all of his, you know, money and making a profit.
0: <laughs> well, uh, okay, so I, yes. Like if, if you're going to devote yourself to like this grind of like hucking your wares and going from show to show to show, and this is really living, I can understand there's a certain amount of stress level. Like, um, I would also tell him like, you know, like this is all well and good. And it, it sounds like you have a lot of free, like not free time, but this is your passion. It's, it's not a bad thing to have a nine to five. You know, like, like, I don't know, we're both older and like, you know, I just want to, I want to go to people and be like, have you considered getting your insurance license? Have you thought about it? You know, like maybe, maybe the art thing is like, that's where you, you like, you want to talk about sunk costs. Like, I, 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 I like, like, um, you have spent more for your passion than I have spent for me buying equipment for the show and everything else. Like, like, but this is not an apples to apples, like comparison, right? But we've spent money. Like, th- like the show doesn't make money. It's like, like, I literally make it. Like, we put it out for free. It literally doesn't make any money, right? Like, I, I've never figured out that that um, way to make it make money. Um, so, if that's the point, then why do I do it? It's because I want people to engage and have a good time, and I also want people to support you because you actually have a, a physical product that people should support. It's just if you're there, like, like having a meltdown, which I'm not saying this person did about like, well, oh, I need to pull good numbers for this. Then are you there for your art? Are you there just to, I don't know. Like that feels like a job to me then. And that's not fun. You know, like that's just me.
1: Yeah. And I, I can say that that gentleman had mentioned that this was only a second convention. So I understand.
0: Really? I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, he said that he had worked, you know, a day job or worked He was working creatively, I think. I think he was a graphic designer, and he he had worked for somebody, you know, uh, 10 years, and then he decided at some point to strike out on his own. Um, So I certainly understand it from that point of view. I I get that. But I do also, and this kind of goes into the, yeah, not everybody's interested in my comic, but at the same time, the convention is very much the Wild West of... Copyright, I guess, is the best way of putting it. Like anybody (laughs) can buy a table. That's fair. Yeah. And put up, you know, their fan art of whatever. And I actually listened to him, you know, talk to a customer about, you know, somebody was like, "Oh, is this artwork officially licensed?" Because he does do very quality artwork. This is not at all a slam against him. No, no, no. His work's good. Like, Like, don't get me wrong.
0: I wasn't trying shit on that because. Like I talked to him a little bit about some of his influences and cause I, I like, I'm cutting off. I apologize, but I saw a piece he sold. And I'm like, Oh, that is reminiscent of X, Y, Z, like, you know, artists. He's like, Oh, that was my goal. And he and I had like a talk about like fine art for like a second, which I think it took him back that like, you know, here I am, you know, like talking about like, you know, you know, like like painterly artists, not like comic book artists. I think he Mm -hmm. was like, Oh, this guy actually knows like art history. And I'm like, yeah, I can talk about shit. You don't know me. Like, like, (laughs) 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 like, you know, so, um, yeah, continue, please.
1: But yeah, um, you know, one thing that happens a lot with Prince is what I mentioned earlier is, is there are a lot of people who, you know, are like, I don't have enough room on my wall or, Uh, you know, I, I like your artwork, but I don't want to, you know, buy another thing that will just sit in a, you know, a a frame somewhere or sit somewhere until I can get it in a frame. If you're anything like me, it takes a while. Um, so that's the only thing he, uh, he had pins and he had his prints and, you know, he did spend a lot on his, uh, his artwork in the sense of like his prints. He was doing his prints on G clay, um, paper, uh, or, uh, that's a style of printing. My apologies, but like the paper is essentially acid free. It's guaranteed did not, uh, corrode over time or yellow, that kind of thing. So he was spending good money to get his stuff printed. It wasn't like it was shoddy looking or not well done, or he clearly didn't spend the money to have it done. But, you know, there's so many different factors into what people are going to be interested on any given day. Like you never know what's going to be popular. Your Boba Fett print might sell ridiculously well one day and then nobody wants it the next. Yeah. Like it's just,
0: well, and also just when knowing you're doing that like, type of stuff, it's very hard. You're swimming in a, a very small, like, like, you know, a uh, body of water that everybody prints like there's prints and prints and prints and prints and prints right like I like I was snake bit like by like not snake bit's bit, not the right term but like you know you like like um you know you go to a show you're like I like this I like this artwork I like this artwork someone I'm going to buy some right I have a closet full of prints right now right and like I'm not saying I didn't like the artwork because I did that's why I bought it and but there's a point where like you mentioned there's like there's this like uh, saturation point where you're like oh that's cool I don't know what I'm going to do with it so it becomes then it becomes a matter of like, do I buy a thing because I want to invest in the person making it, or is it just because something cool that looks cool, right? And it's easy. Like, I'm not saying this gentleman's artwork wasn't like he like clearly is like talented. I'm like I was not di- dis- disputing that whatsoever. It's just, yeah, I don't know if I need that. And so, so let me roll this over just real quick. Um, so while I was there with you. On Sunday, I, I had for completely, my, my I brain farted that Tony Harris was going to be there. And I wandered over to his table, which you had mentioned, that you bought his art book. And I'm like... I just saw him like I love Ex Machina. Like I have all the trade paperbacks. It's a, it's a wonderful series. So I was flipping through like the the prints available. And it's like and Starman, which is the thing I I should have read. I have not. But I'm like Starman, Starman, Starman. Oh oh oh! Like Ex Machina. Like I was like oh! Like I was excited. And I was just talking to him. I was like I love this book, you know. And I it's like and I told him I was like I, I told myself I wasn't going to buy prints, and he understood that too. But I'm like this is uh, like legitimate isn't the right word. And and, and please Steve, don't take this. Like, I'm not trying to be backhanded when I say this, like this guy is an established comic, like person in terms like f- that sounds terrible. Like, but you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like what you talked about, like that well, established is not the right word, but like he's done a book that he did. However many issues, like they never changed the art style. It was him and Brian came Vaughn the entire time. This has been like a book. I loved all of it. Like, why wouldn't I go over and be like, "Show up and take my money to get a print like with him and talk to him for a second. That's different than me walking up and be like, Oh, that's Harley Quinn. And she's sexy AF. Here's my money person. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say legitimate. <laughs> I don't want to say fact. legitimate because no, cause you and Ryan do legitimate work. Like it's not, I'm not trying to diminish that. You know what I mean? Oh, you're not published by DC. That doesn't make your work leg- like not legitimate, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a difference there when I walked yeah. over him. Like, like I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm not trying to minimize. I just don't know how to quantify.
1: Well, you know, so, and and the gentleman actually, you know, mentioned at the end of the show that he had actually been instructed uh, by Joe Caroni, who's a Star Wars artist that you had, you and Joe had had on the show at one point before I joined, uh, um,
0: before my hostile takeover. In the before four times. Yeah. Continue. Yes, please. (laughs) And the, the and the the five years, (laughs) the the seven, the, yeah, the two years before you joined the show. Um,
1: you know, Joe Caroni works for IDW. Uh, he worked for dark horse. He's worked for, uh, he's he's done licensed work for Star Wars. He's done uh, celebration piece artworks. You know, he's this is a guy who, you know, and and this isn't about style or talent or anything like that. But if I'm if I'm at a convention and I'm looking for a Boba Fett piece, I'm probably going to check Joe Caroni first just because I know mm-hmm. that he's worked for DC. He's he, well, he has worked for DC, but he's worked for the, the licensed companies. And I know that he's got a bunch of stuff there. So you're competing with with somebody going and being like, "Do I buy this piece of artwork, you know, from the guy that I don't know, or do I buy it from the guy who I know has done a lot of Star Wars work?" And I'm not saying that always favors in. I'm just saying that you're putting yourself in a spot where you're competing with somebody who has been, you know, licensed by, you know, any number of companies to do work for them.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. And I think that's a tough position to put yourself in where, you know, people see Joe Caroni and he's got a wall of artwork behind him. And, you know, he does very photorealistic artwork, which the gentleman next to us did as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You're kind of, you know, putting yourself not at odds, but, you know, you're saying like – I'm going up against that person now for the sales for the exact same thing.
0: No, That's fair. And no, I'm not I'm,
1: saying that my way of doing it is right either. Just because yeah. people aren't knocking down the door to get a horror comic at a comic book convention either. Oh, no, so we're, we're like, we're, I just wanted to make that no, clear. That's I just not point out coming that, down.
0: No, it's just, we were like less than a hundred feet away from Tony Harris you know, the entire weekend while you're selling your wares. Right. And when I ever walked over and talked to him and his wife, um, and like they saw the vendor badge that you had, you know, graciously given me, they talked to me for a 2nd like, how's it going? I'm like, yeah, you know, we'll see how it goes, whatever. Um, but it's just like one of those things where it's like, I wasn't going to buy prints, but I'm like, this guy made a book that I loved the same thing. we are talking about the people that you visited. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to own that, you know? But like if I walk by where it's people, it's like, you don't, I don't know how to phrase it. Um, yeah, you do cool stuff, but I already have cool stuff. I think it's more meaningful. Like, um, we didn't talk about this. Maybe we, did we talk about this briefly with the fog episode. Neil Adams passed away. Um, and it was, he was way more influential for you as a lover of comics and art stylings and everything. And, I met him and they, they the same wizard world that you and I were both at. I don't think we knew each other at the time. And I didn't know him as a DC guy. And Joe had to be like, they had to kind of like nudge me in the, like the ribs and be like, this guy's a big deal. I'm like, Oh shit. So I walked over and talked to him and I got him to sign. Um, like it was a print of havoc. Like the, the issue of X-Men where havoc first showed up. Like that's the important stuff for me. It's like, this guy has been influential in ways I didn't even know. Take my money. So it's hard for everybody else. Like, you know, hucking the wares being like, you should come over and, and invest in this. And it's like, you know, someone, someone's like, well, I'm not doing so well. It's like, are you showing you, or are you showing them things that they know? Like, I, and you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a difference there. And I think for you, you have the harder road to travel because you're trying to get people to invest in the thing that you're doing. That's on your own versus star Wars or, or comic books, you know? And So I know we did a cost breakdown, um, but like, and there was, there was that table across from us. The gentleman had like multiple books. That was like this alternate history thing he was doing. I didn't talk to him, but it's like credit to him. He's doing his own thing and he's putting himself out there. I will give credit to that. And I'm not saying that the printmakers and the people they're doing, like, you know, like, oh, you like you do you like Harley Quinn? Do you like Venom? What if they're together making out or whatever? I don't I don't know. I didn't not that I'm saying I saw that. I'm sure it exists. But you know, I think there's different there's a difference there.
1: Yeah, and I also want to point out there was a girl who was on the other side of me. Uh she was tabling there with her boyfriend, and you know, she um did a lot of her own original stuff. She's somebody who uh, and she actually you know said, like, this is my first convention. She's like, I've been to conventions. This is my first time ever trying to sell anything. So everything to her was just like trying it out. Um, she had um a very cute style, and I don't mean that to be please don't take that as disparaging or condescending. She just had a very <sighs> I I want to say animated, but animated is not really the right word. Well, no, she no, had a, she,
0: a she, very... she she told us we were talking to her, and she like her and her boyfriend were wonderful, and it was it was wonderful to talk to them. That she is like like she doesn't she's wanting to be an illustrator for she calls them picture books because if you call them children's books, there's a negative stereotype to that, which I agree, right? And then she wants to yeah. do more, not cartoony. I guess, well, I mean, it, it is a lot of animal stuff, and it's a little bit more it is more cute based. That's not a, that's not a negative. Cause if you're skilled at what you do, it still comes through. It isn't just her drawing like, like chibi art or whatever and be like, you like my things. No, there, there is talent there. Absolutely. Right. So yeah, go ahead, please. And, and I, cause so I was talking to her.
1: I don't remember if you were there or not, but I was mentioning to her that her work reminded me of Katie cook and she needed to look up who Katie cook was. And what was funny was she looked up Katie, Katie Cook, and she's like, I'm getting a lot of like, you know, um, OnlyFans girls. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, he's a comic book artist. I promise. Look up Katie Cook. Keep looking. She's like, is it Katie can draw? I'm like, yes, it's Katie can draw. Look her up. <laughs> or and Katie can OnlyFans. I, just go, like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I felt bad about that. Oh. But um, you know, That's it's funny. like you might want to look at her and just see the stuff that she's doing because she's a re- ridiculously popular artist, and I don't think your styles are that different. I also said to her, I, because I, I was like, I don't want to use the word simplistic because I'm like, I know how hard it is to draw anything, and your style choices is not simplistic. It's that you're do- you're you're doing all the hard work of drawing. It's just that you don't have the rendering that a typical comic book artist does, it's a very different style. And, um, you know, I know that she, she did pretty well. She had some things that were, um, uh, specific to the show. I think she actually had made a, cause her whole thing was, is a, a lot of it was about, um, science, environmentalism mm-hmm. and animals, um, was a, a lot of her interests. And, She actually showed me, you know, some images from a children's book or a picture book that she's working on. (laughs)
2: um,
1: That uh, I was like, wow, that's really great. Like, it was a great work, really stunning stuff. Uh, And the fact that she's like 22 is also like, she's way better than I was at that age. Um, So it's funny to me, just you know, in talking to her and seeing what she sold. Like, you know, I think she had a couple of things that were. Based off of you know other properties, like she had a, a print, and I know that she did well. But she did Jay and Silent Bob, but as dogs, and actually, uh, she went to the Jay and Silent Bob uh, podcast show after the convention Saturday night. Saturday night, and that drawing got to Kevin and Jay, and and uh, you know they gave her a little bit of love on stage in a shout out. So. You know, that type of stuff, like, that's cool, but, like, it was done in a way that, you know, there was nobody else there doing, like, hey, uh, you know, check out this Jay and Silent Dog drawing, because it's just them as dogs, you know? Yeah, but that, she kept calling it the Jay and Silent Dog drawing, which I thought was funny.
0: No, that at least draws the line, right? I mean, whatever. I guess that's a whole mm. other conversation for another thing, but... Um so yeah, give yourself credit. And I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to diminish. That wasn't my that my point. Um it's just that I think I'm over prints, you know, like in terms of like like if I go to the guy who actually drew the comic, I'm gonna buy a print. You know, like I think that's a little like for me, that's kind of where I'm at now versus like, oh, you did a cool print. Let me like I don't know. Not that I'm saying like I go to you like, what are you doing? I don't know that person. Can I buy a thing? I don't it's just it's a hard sell sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? But you know, like it just it We actually had a lot of, we had a few people come up um, and I I felt bad because like when you would like go away, I just, I was like saying hi to people and like no one was engaging and and I just froze like a deer in the headlights. I'm just like, uh, (laughs) uh, well, no, because I'm like, I want to be there to support you and be like, but it's like, it's like you, I, I always feel like I'm assuming everybody else's tastes before I talk to them. But when they do the drive-by, mm-hmm. it's really hard to be like, hey, want to check out this comic, wherever going on. Like, it's just a, you know, whatever. It's like, it's hard, right? <laughs> um, like, I literally had a conversation with somebody wearing a, a hockey jersey that was a reference to Letterkenny. And they talked to me, but they kept moving to the right the entire time. Like, I was like, I'm not trying to sell, like, I was like, like, cause they, like, they came to the left side of the table and I was like, Oh yeah. Are you excited for such and such? And they're like, yeah. And we talked to them and, and like, she was engaging with me, but she kept moving slowly, but surely never once did I try to sell her anything. And I'm like, Oh, I, I just wanted to talk yeah. about letter All right. I get it. Right, all right. Like, it was weird. It was like, I guess when a drive by conversation, you know, <laughs> like it was tough. Like, <laughs>
1: And, and it is interesting too, you know, myself being, you know, I, I'm extroverted, you know, around the people that I'm friends with you. And I guess the audience, you're all my friends. That's right. A hundred thousand of you. Yeah. All, um, all
0: seven or a hundred. There's no in between. It's like, you know,
1: <laughs> but you know, I, I, I understand that like the people who come up to the table are there's varying levels, you know, there's some people who, um, you know, are in cosplay and are like, you know, fully in character and are excited and just, you know, want to talk to anybody. And then there's, you know, a guy who's just like, you know, and, and I hadn't thought of this before and I don't remember who said it, but somebody had brought up the fact that, you know, reading comic books is a solitary thing. It's actually, I think in the documentary. Um, so, you know, sometimes when you put those people, in in places where there's a lot of people, you know they're less inclined to be as engaged you know or they're a little timid or whatever. So you you run the gamut of different types of people um, whenever it is that you're doing this type of show and I'm always I, you know I want to be inviting and I want to talk but I also don't want to be the guy who's like, hey, look at this and then they're like well what 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 is it you want me to look at you know or yeah hey you're you're dressed as you know um whatever uh, yeah bazooka
0: joe <laughs> check out this bazooka <laughs> drawing like, i did i like i like that was your default setting like bazooka joe hey you <laughs> cracker jack kid yeah you want a prize inside <laughs> check out over thing over here you know hey McDonald's happy right. meal come over here you know <laughs> No, I get it. I get it. No, I, get I know. It. I've probably yeah. talked. Go ahead, please. I know I've probably talked more this episode
1: than I have on like any other po- podcast, but or episodes, I should say. Um, but I got to tell this quick story, real quick. So there are always people in the conventions who cosplay, and I'm like, oh, clearly whatever they're into uh, is either something I just don't know what it is, or I'm an old man. Like I'm fully well aware that I, I am not on the side of. Youth in being hip, you know, uh, which you know, they don't even use the word hip anymore. They, those people, the youngins, um,
0: <laughs> young, younglings. Yeah, young,
1: Ryan brought, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ryan brought his daughter, who is nine years old, with him, and she was sitting at her table, and I pointed over to somebody in an animal costume, and I said to his daughter, "I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, can you tell me, you know." who that is. Is that, is that a character that I don't know? Is that some sort of cartoon character or whatever? And she looks over at me and Ryan's like paying attention. You know, he's, he's waiting for her answer as well. Um, and she looks at me and she goes, that's a furry. And I'm like, wait, where have you heard the term furry? And Ryan's sitting there and he's just got this like blank expression, expression on his face. And then he's like, yeah, where did you hear the term furry? Why do you know what that is? And she just got real quiet. And I just Aww. looked at him like, I think you probably need to monitor her YouTube a little bit closer.
0: Eh, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's a negative. It's just, I think there's like, but it's funny that like you know, she recognized what it was, what not it was. The answer we were expecting. Yeah. That's great. I think it's, I think it's a fun story. You told me that or, like, I, that's a delightful story. Uh, and like how like matter of fact the statement like, that's wonderful. She like. was, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah. So I, I just, I wanted to tell, I, I broke into your, 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 uh, last comment
2: with that. No, story. no, no. That's just... it's,
0: it's a fun, no, no. That was a fun story. When you told me that I just, I, that was, that was fun. So <laughs> no, it's just, um, um, I, it's just, it's hard sometimes to like, you know, like I, I have a background in retail like you do too. So we don't want to be like that aggressive person. And so, When I was talking to uh, Tony Harris and his wife, I was mentioning like, yeah, I was like, I don't want to be like that kind of guy that is shouting out and stuff. And he was like sketching. He was like, yeah, if someone's being aggressive with me, I'm not going to buy their stuff. And I'm like, that's fair. Here's my money. Let's not go buy your stuff. So <laughs> it's that weird line to walk between like, hey, be actively engaging versus shilling and like just shouting at people. Because you and I both yeah. know that like, we've been to a couple conventions just attending where someone's like, hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, nope. Like, it's almost like, it's almost like when like the like you know the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door. Like I'm gonna hide behind the couch and we're done. Now we're done. I don't like. So it's it's, it's a hard line, right? Because like like you and I both know you you say that you're an extrovert with friends. However, you have been forced in a paying environment to be an extrovert. So you know how it goes, right? Yeah. And I just don't want to ever make anybody feel uncomfortable, right? And we had a couple interactions during the day, and I'm not saying that because we're both sitting down talking to people, like, you I wasn't trying to be blasé, but I'm like, hey, do you like people that stab people? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, this is the book for you. And like, that was a kind of a little fun, like type of, you know, engagement as opposed to, hey, buy stuff. I don't know. That felt like, <laughs> oh, <don't know>, whatever. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean,
1: uh, it's funny to me that like our pitches are so different. Where you know, uh, yours is like, "Hey, do you like people who stab people?" And your and people will stop for that. And then somebody comes over to me and they're like, "Well, what's it about?" And I'm like, "Well, if I had to give you the elevator pitch, it's going to uh, go the, through the seven floors." So it tuck in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hollow. It's.
0: <laughs> yep, sorry. Continue. To
1: press, you know, yeah. uh, it's. It's Halloween, you know, uh, meets Leaving Las Vegas. And I'm always <laughs> waiting for people to be intrigued by that. Because there's, you know, I always want them to be like, wait, what? Like, so, can, can yeah, you please, uh, in
0: the future, can you always just pitch as like a Halloween at meets, this, mention another movie that makes no sense to go with it. It's like, <laughs> it's like Halloween meets Lorenzo's oil, like that's what you want to mention, you know? Like it's like Halloween meets uh you know um Song of the South. It's like, no. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like Halloween meets Kramer versus Kramer. Like, I don't know, can you just
2: somehow
0: it's like Halloween meets the Ten Commandments. What? It's like Halloween meets Schindler's List. Like, that's what I want you to know. Like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But like, oh. <laughs> no, but there's a certain amount of, like, you. Can, I don't know. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, like, engage with somebody and, like, oh, maybe you'll pique their interest. But it's, like, you know, like, they're, like it's, it's not just you. There's, like, however many pe- tables people are talking to you at, right? So there's a little bit of, like, um, like customer PTSD, right. Walk along and being shouted at like even me walking yeah. around with a vendor badge. People are calling out to me. I'm like, I'm like, what of you technically don't talk to me like that, please. Thank you. <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's like, I, I think I said that to you. I was like, there's a bit of a self cannibalization going on. Right. But yeah. So I, let me, let me mention briefly before we get to the, the, the documentary, you know, two hours and 60 minutes in. So, uh, Tony Harris, wonderful to meet bot prints. And I like his wife's like, you know, they're two for 60. I'm like, son of a, sorry. She's like, no, it's like, uh, was it two for 60 or buy two or get one free? And I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm in. Right. So I bought two prints and I'm like, well, my friend Steve would like a print, you know? So, you know, I, I got you a print. I know you weren't going for prints, but I got you a print. I know I brought it over. Uh, and then mm-hmm. my other goals were, um, there was some celebrities there, uh, Billy West, uh, you know that you, everybody should know from uh, Ren Stimpy, uh, Futurama, throw a dart. Billy West has done a ton of voice work. He was Fry, uh, Farnsworth, which we, you know, we have him and also Zoidberg. So here, this, you, you, Billy West, you know him from. Hooray, Hooray, denied. So you know him from everything, right? And it's like, oh, shit, he's here. Like, I need to meet him because like I love Billy West. I love his voice work. So I went over and met him. And then also there was, um, uh, an actress, uh, Lucy pole who is a voice actor. Well, she does a lot of other acting as well, but she kind of, this was her first big, uh, animation slash like video game, like role that she ended up being. She plays the character of mercy in overwatch. And since I've met other overwatch characters and I play overwatch, I just mentioned earlier, I got the, you know, uh, I got the piss beat out of me uh, earlier. Um, it's a game I still play and I enjoy a great deal. I'm like, well, if somebody's the voice actor of a thing that I, I enjoy a great deal, like go meet them. And she was a delight. So I got to meet her as well. Cause Steve graciously gifted me with a, a vendor badge. So I got on for free. Uh, and then I spent money on those guys. And, um, and so uh, one story I want to tell before we get to the documentary, like, cause cause I texted you. Cause there was a panel that was going on and I texted you for the panel start. I was like, Jesus Christ, I have a story for you. And you're like, don't tell me until now. I want to tell you the story you ready for the story you there i am okay ready <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> sorry i yeah. had you muted oh oh yeah you had me muted because you're just like i don't know what he's talking about that's fine no um, i try not to have my
1: breathing uh you know my
0: heavy breathing overtaking your your speech so <laughs> uh, well that's one of us because all i do the entire time is like Welcome to a of the <laughs> All right. So it's so bad. Uh, so I went to go to our panel. It was like, you know, later in the day. And so, okay, let, let's be, let's be real here. This is like, true, true talk here. I know we're both older. We're in our forties. And so like our approach to fandom and the things that we love are going to be a little different than people that are younger than us. Right. Cause I mean, I'm nothing against them. They're young. And like, you know, I don't know. Like they're like some, like you may not be as aware of what you're doing. Cause you're, you know, you're younger. Like maybe you're half my age or whatever. Just throw that out there. So I go into the, the little convention room, like aside from like, you know, the convention going on, like the, there's a separate room and I go sit in the second row. Well, one, the guy was hosting like the moderating. He was like, Oh, everybody doesn't have a VIP badge. Like VA VI, VIP badge come forward. I'm like, there were separate seating for this. Like I didn't realize I just sat down in the second row. I'm like, I didn't know. Like, I'm like, cool. Right. Whatever. So people come forward. There was, um, there was two people that sat to the front of me, like to my right, that they were clearly really young. Like I'm talking like maybe 21, 22. And like, how, how do I quantify this to you, Steve and people listening? Do you know people that, they want to, like, they're like, come out to a convention, have a good time, like, absorb, have a good time, but they're still socially awkward that they don't know how to actually function in public. You know, like, and it's like, like, they're so, they're so young and awkward sitting there talking. Like, so the, the guy who's moderating the, sh- like, the panel before the actress shows up, he's trying to engage with people and they're talking directly to him as if nobody else exists in the room. Like, does that make sense? Like, I don't know how to how to say yes.
1: that. Yes, yeah, I've seen those people,
0: Absolutely. and I'm just like, just stop talking, just stop talking, stop talking, because they said something about like, well, my coworker says I shouldn't be here. He's like, yeah, he's just like reading the room and kind of go with it, and he he asked the question, which I'm like, that's your fatal flaw, there, sir, moderating here, and then she gets into like detail of like people we don't know nor we care about. About what's going on. It's like, and you can hear him be like, huh, and try to move on to somebody else. It's like, nobody gives a, like a, a, um, a, a, um, a goddamn about your work life. Cause we're here at a convention on a Sunday, calm down, but they don't not like, but at the same time, it's like, I get it. Like you're young and like the guy asked a question. So you honestly think he wants an answer. You're going to have real talk with him too. That's not how this is done, right? So that was a little weird for me. And I'm like, (laughs) and then to the right of me across the aisle, there's people sitting in the front row. And as the actress uh, Lucy Paul came to the stage and she's like talking, I hear, I'm like, why are you talking in the front row? When she's talking, you're here for her. Nobody gives a damn what you're saying to your friend. I don't know, man, like maybe I'm wrong, but I was like, just like, like, looking over to the entire, like, you know, like, I was like, are you serious? Like, I kept looking over the entire time. They eventually calmed down. The people in front of me that didn't know how to operate, the young lady, eventually brought her phone out and was pay, playing solitaire while the actress was talking. So, that's what I wanted to share that. It's not, it wasn't like this was like a story that's going to set the world on fire, but the entire time I was like, what the hell is going on? Like I was, my brain was just breaking the entire time. I couldn't handle it. Wow. I,
1: so I guess my first question is, you said there was somebody playing solitaire the whole time where they, they were there clearly to see this person. Right. I, I like, guess.
0: I don't know. I have, I literally have no idea. I think maybe her boyfriend may have, been, or but let me, let me walk this back. Uh, I don't know if it was, yeah. I don't know if they were boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister, there might've been a game of Thrones thing going on. I have no idea. Um, the only way I could describe the gentleman, uh, the young guy, like, I know you've not watched Bob's burgers, but do you know the kid Gene? Gene um you know um Belcher like I don't <laughs> I think so yes yeah, he looked like Gene but pink like that's the way I could describe him. He, like, like I was trying to tell my wife that night, I was like, yeah, there's pink jean there. Just like, like I don't know. Like I just, he was wearing like kind of like a Hawaiian shirt and as he had pink hair and it was like, he was very, uh, what's the, what's the expression? Ruddy. Like he has like a pink face. Like the, the face wasn't makeup. He just had, you know, how the, the, you just see people that have like a ruddy expression or ruddy expression where it's like, they have like the, the flush face. Like, but his hair was pink and he looked like Jean, but like pink. I don't know how else is like, I'm not trying to be disparaging because I love Gene Belcher, but he was pink Jean and his girlfriend or sister or whoever, uh, had elf ears and she was playing solitaire. It was very confusing. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: oh God. You know, I just, uh, one, I mean, even if, if Kathy took me to some place, and it was like, hey, you know, this person is going to talk about something that I have no interest in at all. But, you know, I want you here with me. You know, I don't know that I'd pull up my phone and start dicking around
0: on it. On, I the guess, front yeah, row, on the be, front you know, the row. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like the, the draw yeah. wasn't very big because we've talked about we didn't we've talked about this during our, our show so far. But the advertisement of the panels wasn't very well known. It wasn't very apparent. Like they didn't do a good job of it. And Lucy pole, like she, you know, she is a voice actress for overwatch, which is, which is a blizzard property. It's been five years now. And the sequel's coming out soon. Like she's been in rooms that have pulled much larger than what we were there for. Right. So, you know, it's like, I'm not saying like, Oh, Cleveland don't care, but it's like, if you're going to move up to the front row, because the moderator tells everybody, don't bring your phone out and play a game. You know, like just that right. seems very like, but at the same time, like, I don't know somebody's level of like comfort, but at the same time, it's like, if you're not comfortable, then don't be in the front row. Cause I think that's kind of common sense to me. Like, am I wrong? Yeah. Like, I, you know what I mean? That's all like, it just feels weird to me, but yeah, like, but I texted you cause this was what, like, at first, this is what was going on before she showed up. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. like, I was so just like, like, I wanted to be like, you know you don't have to sit there, right? And then to the people to the right of me, I'm like, no one gives a damn what you're saying right now. Like, you're like, like, it's like, I don't know. It's 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 that like one, maybe I'm just getting too old for this shit. I don't know where I'm just an agitated, but it's like, we're here for a specific person to talk to us and engage with. I don't care about your life and the person to the right of you. Like, like, thank you. Like, we all love the same thing. I don't need to hear your commentary about whatever the hell is going on with you guys. You know, it's one thing to like, to make a comment about, like, Oh, that was really funny or whatever. Like this real quick. I don't need to hear a conversation cause I'm here for her, not you. Or I should say I'm here for her yeah. and me, not you. Like, am I, am I an asshole? Like, I just don't understand. Like I'm confused. Like, are we getting too old for this? I don't want to really, You know, like, are we getting pat? <laughs> like, like I'm really confused by this.
1: I don't know, Murta. I think, I think, yeah.
2: uh, you get, I'll just try to this. go to the yeah. Mel
0: Gibson panel without problems. I'm just, kidding. No, I just, no, so, <laughs> no, because, like, I, I, um, they like, a couple years ago with the start of the pandemic I've talked about this in the show there was a four panel four person panel of Overwatch actors and it was fun to go to and listen to talk to everybody talking and she happened to be the one here this time that was played a different character and I, like, and I love the game and I play it daily and I mentioned you know I get frustrated at it but at least when I talk to her she's like well what do you want me to sign the photo fo- like the picture as and I was like she's like well what's your favorite line and I was like you put me on the spot because I hear you I, like I hear all of your voices in my head every day meaning because I have head headphones not because I'm crazy I guess in hindsight, I shouldn't have said that to her, but whatever. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. But like, and she's like, you go to the panel later. I'm like, panel later. I'm like, yeah, she high-fived me. And it's like, whatever. It was like a wonderful little interaction, right? Like I, I, I understand what I was paying for. And I just got to say thank you. Right. And it's like, that's all this is. And then during the panel, I got to ask a question and then I asked it and I hit the microphone like this by accident. And I was like, I'm so sorry for it, like hitting the microphone. And I sat down and as she was answering the question, she made direct eye contact contact with me and I'm like oh yeah cool I'm gonna go play Pokemon go while this is going on are you cool with that it's fine you know like I just don't understand <laughs> I don't understand fans I really really don't I really 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 don't you know like you you're you're giving your time here how about you pay attention to what the hell is going on on stage how how hard is that it was a 45 minute panel you know like we're two and a half hours in. I like. I pity the person that's still listening here. Thank you, everybody. But you know what I mean? Like, Christ, it really yeah. like it blew the top off my head. That's why I had to text you. I'm like, I have something to tell you. I was really, <laughs> I was just really frustrated because I had to tell somebody. Like, so yeah, Pink Jean and Ear Girl playing solitaire. It was really confusing to me. So yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, that's, that was my story, right? That was my story for the week. One, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me help out. I know I tried my best and we had some interactions with people and it was, it was fun. And you know, you know, I'm always going to show for you. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I am kind of thankful. Like I know you paid for a table, which, you know, that there's money there. I'm kind of thankful. I didn't pay for a pass because I think I would have been like, huh? All right. I guess we're done now other than Tony Harris and, you know, the, the two actors I got to meet, that was all great. But you know, just like, I think this is a wonderful, like, um, we're going to get to the document in a minute. I promise everybody. Um, I think this is a wonderful experience if people have never been to a convention. I think there's a good way to kind of like experience that convention kind of life and, and kind of to see what's going on and be like, Hey, we're all, we're all the same. We're all the same people. Let's enjoy the things that we enjoy. It's just that if you've done it multiple times, that doesn't change. So that gets really tough to convince yourself to go pay money for the same thing over and over again.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny to me that, and I guess uh, you know, I'm willing to go to a convention and to spend money and you know see people. You know, even if I wasn't tabling. But it is interesting, you know, you're essentially paying, especially if you're not there to see a celebrity, or meet a comic creator, or somebody to just go and be like, yeah, I'm gonna go check out the convention and and walk around. You're essentially just paying a fee to walk in, and you know, maybe buy something from someone. (laughs) It's like, I, I gotta unlock this door with this puzzle to get to the next puzzle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's I guess that's not a good analogy, but the point that I'm trying to make is, is that you're you're paying for the privilege to walk around and buy stuff, basically. If there's nothing else there for
0: you, yeah, I mean, like a, like an independent comic about a, a, a guy that stabs people. I'm kidding. All right, no, so um, so let's get into the documentary. I know it's been seven hours from what we talked about surviving uh, was Supercon, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. um,
1: longest episode uh, ever, guys. Uh, not yet. We're, we're getting there. We're getting basically.
0: there. We're getting there. Okay. Um, we're, we're,
1: uh, you can hear Paul uh, sweating. Oh, right, There you go. That's um, me.
0: That's me. Um, you know, so, Yeah. <laughs> continue. Like you watched right, this so, documentary recently, right?
1: Yeah. So I'd watched it like a week or two before the convention, maybe three weeks before. Uh, I don't know why I have to make that distinction. Nobody cares. Um, but I'd watched it previously. And I think it's an interesting documentary just because there are, so many documentaries on fandom and comics. And I don't know that there's been what I would call a definitive documentary on, on at least conventions or the convention scene. Like I, I, there's Comic-Con, which was made uh, by the gentleman who uh, made super size me. Um, Maybe it had a different title. My apologies. It was filmed at Comic-Con, which used to be the San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, now it's like it's it's known as Comic Con and it's the biggest show in the world. But there's very much a celebrity side to that. It's a very celebrity-heavy documentary, and I wish that he had spent a little bit more time in the trenches of that actual convention. So I don't know that that's a definitive uh, documentary. Um, and there are others that are more about. Like there's one, and I'm blanking on the title, so I feel I, I apologize. It was it's it's filmed the Canadian comic book convention, and it's it's uh, all about the side of being an artist, and um, it's good, but I don't know that it gives the full picture. And that's actually one of the goals that I wanted to have with why I went through. Like, hey, just to give you an idea from somebody who's selling at a convention. You know, here's the realistic idea of what I'm spending just to to be there you know and why i have a different strategy where i'm like i hope somebody reads my book whereas somebody's i'm not the guy who's yelling like hey boba fett come over here and read my or look at my boba fett print like you know people have reasons for doing that stuff and i'm not saying they're right or wrong it's just different styles but going into this i i think that it's still a pretty good documentary i don't know I don't know that we've seen the best documentary that we could about what it's like to actually run a convention, but the things that I took away from it were things that I don't honestly even think about when it comes to attending a convention, whether it be as a guest or as, you know, somebody going around just trying to meet people. So a little context here. uh, The documentary is about a gentleman, Primarily, it's about him and his wife. Uh, His name is uh, Mike Broder, um, and his wife is Sandy Martin. And uh, they produced this convention um, back in the mid-2000s that was called Supercon. Uh, What The the documentary... I don't want to say the the main idea behind the documentary is, you know, here's how a guy created a convention out of nothing... Uh, I was going to say supposition, but I don't know if that's the, the correct term here, well, but it's, no, it's,
0: there's a lead up cause he, they, they, they lay the groundwork for what it is. And then the crux of, well, the bulk of this documentary is their own super super con convention in 2018, the four days. Over the course of the four days, yeah. so we get we get the lead up, we get some input, we learn we learn the people involved, and then we kind of like are like not real time, but we see the experience behind the scenes to them and those in, in mm-hmm. power of the um, the troubles and uh, complications that can happen over ho- hosting quite a large convention over four days in Florida.
1: And so some of the things that I'll highlight here that are talked about in the convention that I want to make mention of are are things that, as somebody who attends conventions, I don't really think about, you know, headspace-wise. You know, Um, one would be security. There's a lot of time spent on security in this documentary, probably because it's the most interesting aspect of, of, you know, it's the most action-oriented, I guess. Although there is a whole subject, uh, there's a whole subset of this documentary that's about the wrestling matches that happen after the convention that I want to talk about with you as a fan of wrestling. But as far as dramatic, I guess maybe that's the most appealing thing as far as like, if you're making a documentary, you can be like, well, the the security for the show is a shit show. So that's probably where we can put a lot of our focus of this documentary. So, um, You know, I never consider. I never think about security at a convention. I just don't, and maybe that's foolish in me. And maybe someone like you know, Bane will show up and try and gas the entire place. But (laughs) for whatever reason, you know, I (laughs) I, I, I I will blow up your football field,
0: Batman. Whatever he says, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I never really think about that side of it. And you know, the film. Uh, in this documentary, that is, his wife is Sandy, who is mainly in, that we see dealing with those problems. Um, and I'll also say this about the documentary before I go into the 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 security a little bit more. Um, I applaud anybody who allows themselves to be shown in an unflattering light um, in any documentary. It's actually one of the things that I love about Metallica, some kind of monster. Uh, they don't always look good in that documentary. Uh, they're they're <laughs> Lars and James probably, you know, the most. I think Kirk Hammett is the one who comes out the cleanest out of that documentary. But uh, it's a pretty unflattering look at a lot of times in that documentary at them. And I feel like we get some unflattering looks at both Mike and Sandy in this. And not that it's like, oh, they're bad people or anything like that. But we see Mike's temper at certain points. We see Sandy... You know, uh, trying to, you know, work with people, but also being sort of, um, well, no, she's not she, angry. No, no, but, she's not
0: angry, but it's like she, like, it, like, for her, there's no compromise. It's either is or isn't. Like, I, I think that's important. Yeah. And, yeah. And that makes you come it's off a very, bad thing it makes you come off but, very aggressive and gruff when she's trying to service right. the show, which was something I struggled with because it's like, Oh, if I had to deal with this person, I would be like, I'm out. But I understand that she, um, you know, she's trying to like, like uphold like what they're trying to do. So if somebody is speaking clearly to you and direct and it's in the middle, it's like midstream and you can't give them what they need. She's going to cut you off the knees because that's her job. Right. And it's like, like it, it's, 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 she was, she's the master of like the tough conversation and it's easy to, yeah. um, with this documentary and I'm cutting you off at the knees. I'm sorry. It's easy to be like, Oh, like it's just because she is an assertive female. It's easy to be like, Oh, that bitch. That's not what she's being. Like she's being assertive. There's a bit the, the documentary where she's like, and she's like, what is it the kids say? Like zero F's given right now. I'm enjoying this. Like at the moment, it's like, yeah. yeah. Cause she is like shouldering so much. Um, and I'm not saying that, could you have handled it better? Sure. And, I, but, but you're saying that's correct. Like they're the, the showing the people that are behind this, that like they're human beings and this is how they react. Like, I mean, like, mm. do, do I still feel like, like maybe I wouldn't want to go up to them and have a drink with either one of them? Probably not but I at least understand where they're coming from.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, I admire them for allowing themselves to be shown in, and sometimes unflattering lights during this uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to the things that they did run into with security, you know, the security company, you know, the person that were work with recommended the wrong types of, um scanners or uh metal detectors
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh they basically um have a whole section where they're covering like this type of you know metal detector or scanner will pick up you know um, low profile pro- profile weapons like handguns and knives and things like that and then this other type of scanner which is the one that they get sent was like for explosives and, you know, she made the point, she's like, if that was the one we wanted, if somebody shows up with explosives, they've probably already made it to the door. Like they're, yeah, you know, they're already in the building. That's, this is not going to be the concern for us. We're more worried about, um, you know, knives and weapons and things like that. She actually makes a point too to say like, we don't have a weapons check here. We have a props check. Um, which I thought was interesting. She's like, cause we don't allow weapons here. Well, and then uh, she even goes really on further. Sorry, that go ahead, many. please. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, my apologies.
0: No, because she even goes. Sorry, (laughs) Uh, Steve. Talk, talk. You talk now. Talk good. (laughs) No,
1: it's just something that I've never heard anybody say. You know, actually make that distinction, and I think it's an important distinction. Um, You know, and there's actually a section where she's training some of the people who uh, the security company hired, which you will later find out some of them are people who were just hired from like places like a uh, you know goodwill which there's nothing wrong with that but these are people who are supposed to be trained to do security not you know just any joe schmo who is being hired um but she she you know she makes a, a point about like hey if you're strip ser- it, strip searching if you're searching somebody <laughs> you know or wanding them you know if somebody you can tell is in like you know In Optimus Prime costume, which is a giant robot bot that's going to send a lot of alarms off. She's like, you know, you do your best, but like that person probably spent a couple thousand dollars to make that cosplay. You're not going to rake them over the coals kind of thing, you know? And I, I thought that was kind of a fascinating thing to think about, about, like the way that they handle the different guests. And there's even a point later on where, you know, they talk about like, at least, you know, every show, there's always something that happens that's unexpected in the sense of like violence or, you know uh self-harm i don't want to yeah. say fights breaking up but like self-harm yeah in this in this particular in this particular convention uh during the documentary they, they find out there's somebody who started cutting themselves during a you know panel uh, and i think it was a celebrity guest panel or whatever so
0: all those things i, f- I found to be fascinating
1: so now oh, no. you talk, no,
0: no, you say no, things. Yeah, no, like it was fast because they, they mentioned it's like, like she even says, she's like, when people ask us like what the blueprint, she's like, we don't know. It just, you you have to deal with it as you go, which is fair, right? <laughs> but here, here, here's the only note, Steve, I'll say while, while watching Supercon, um surviving Supercon, I was like the secret documentary about the incompetence of Staff Pro. That was the only note I took. About uh about the documentary because like I feel like thirty five to forty minutes is just shitting on Staff Pro as a company in their security <laughs> yeah. measures and I was like dear lord I, You're I wrong yeah I'm like I never want to hire Staff Pro for my security needs like what's going on like they don't come out in a good light but it's like there's even a bit where she's just like hey you cop check badges and then she goes back she's like nobody <laughs> understands what is going on it's like like you know like and then there's even the bit too whatever uh Mike is like he goes to what was it? he drives through like you see at the beginning of the documentary where he tells somebody to f off and he just drives yeah. through like whatever but it's like we get context later which I'm saying like you know, Maybe, maybe you shouldn't have handled that that way, but like I understand his right. frustration. Um, uh, the one thing I will I will um I will say that maybe maybe there should have been a little bit more nuance is when he went out and caught the scalpers and he's like, Well, that kid's going to like yeah. going to jail. And I'm like, Yeah, he did a bad thing, but like, is the pit like I don't know. I'm just getting this whole thing of like, are you gonna completely screw up somebody's life for this? Like, is that, is that, is that worth it to you? Like, I don't know, but anyway, like that's neither here nor there, but um, no, this whole in terms of an operational standpoint, which there was the one gentleman that was in this as well, uh, who was like their operations manager who was, um, oh, um, I don't even have his name here because I'm so bad about all of this, but he went through, he he was brought in as like a tech guy, but then eventually became like the operations guy. Like it's just learning about like all the different moving parts that go on with all this and like the different things they expect. Like it's almost a given that the fire alarm's going to go off at some point during the weekend. And how do you handle that? And there's also like, you know, what's funny yeah, about that? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. No, no, I, go, gonna, please go I'm ahead. Please
1: break in here again. Yeah.
0: What's funny about that. And I should knock on
1: wood because it'll happen next I've never been in a convention where that's happened. That's like fair. Ever. I've never yeah. had like a fire alarm go off or like a reason that we all had to vacate the premises I've never had that happen but he's in the documentary he's like a, no matter what show it is it's like he, he I, I think he made it he made mention it's like this happens every convention and I'm like I this has never happened to me at a we, but, we, but, but the, the sizes they're podcasts.
0: dealing with are like way bigger than you have I've been to right but then also there's the thing where they're trying to do like damage control they're going along the different boosts, it's like people are just like there's one bit where he's like I don't know if this is like you know um, damage from like the exhaust fans are just, this is how it looks. Like I thought <laughs> that was like, but, but they bring all the staffers in to try to help people like set back up again. And it's like, okay, I get that. Right. Like that's, that's fine. Um, so like there's that element. Um, the other, like the other thing that was surprising to me was the wrestling important portion of it. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, like how they bring people, they bring in professional wrestlers to dress up as like characters from pop culture and wrestle. Um, and I, I that's a big appeal. That's a lot of fun. That's a good, that's a great angle to get people in there. Cause I think, I think you and I would have just a blast watching whatever was going on. Like, I kind of want to see that match. I want to watch that wrestling match. I think it'd be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. And you know, they talk about the fact that, and I've never been to dragon con, so I can't speak firsthand, but they talk about the fact that dragon con, and I've heard this prior to this documentary is sort of like a convention. That's also a giant party that just never ends so they tried to bring that idea to this convention when they were starting it <clears throat> and they were like, well, let's, let's have wrestling matches and let's have these big parties and like all these other things that are going on. Like It's not just a convention that ends at seven o'clock. Like it keeps going. Um, and I thought that was fascinating. I, I think the wrestling of all the things that we see in the documentary, I thought that that was easily the most fascinating piece of it. Cause I'm like, Jesus, this is a brilliant idea. Why don't more conventions do this? And I understand not every convention can have a wrestling match, for God's sake. But, you know, Fan Expo, something like that, like as big of a show as that was, I could see that that being like something they do. And I realized, too, that they'd have to organize it in every city. It's well, still, I'm like, you could have worked, why like, don't workers the, do like, this? You know, this if, is interesting.
0: If they would have reached out, there's a local wrestling promotion in Cleveland. And I'm sure they'd have been more than happy to, to do something, right? But... I, but the big thing too is that they mentioned that like they want this show to be a constant like oh if you don't like this go do this right I, that's that's the like they want that mm-hmm. engagement portion which I'm not saying that like what we just did' what we what we went to didn't have that however you know'm I'm, I'm, it's, it's a way different show. It's way smaller than what it is I like I'm yeah. not like but it's like that feels like it's like you know it's it's like you know almost like you know what was it um like almost a hundred plus hours like constant going. Like it's crazy. The level of yeah. like interaction, what's going on. Like, like I'd almost want to ask you, like, would you want to go to a dragon con or a super con? Or do you feel like you might just be overwhelmed with what's going on?
1: So there's a little piece of me that thinks I'd be overwhelmed because, uh, when I, uh, the second time we went to LA, um, we went to what was at that time, Stan Lee's kamikaze. Um, and it was, a giant convention. It's not quite as big as San Diego, but, and I've not been to that either. Um, but there was this sort of like bigness to it. And I was like, I said to Kathy, I'm like, I don't know that this is for me. I'm like, maybe I just prefer smaller shows. I'm like, this just feels like way too many people. There's too much going on here. Um, you know, and there were celebrities there. There were panels, there was, you know, all kinds of stuff happening. And this is, so this is 2004 um i think at that show i met um uh uh, pj souls from halloween um and then uh, unintentionally i I should say that as well i feel bad that that, i don't mean it this way i didn't go there with like oh i'm gonna meet pj souls i don't think i knew that she was there but the photographer who just released the book um On John Carpenter she was the Onset photographer so she has this Entire book of amazing uh, Art uh, I'm sorry Amazing amazing photographs of John Carpenter um, Films That were you know I think it goes from Halloween All the way up to Possibly the thing Um, I, I don't remember off the top of my head so I Apologize but she was there with her And they were Signing together and it was like if you Bought the book you could get signatures From both of them or whatever and uh, clearly they were friends and had knew each other. But I was so nervous. And then I, you know, I told Kathy, I'm like, well, I already bought the book. I, I own a copy. And she's like, yeah, like, you can't buy another copy here in Los Angeles <laughs> and get it signed. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I remember just being overwhelmed, you know. And the, the other person that I met uh, at the time, <laughs> he was doing a podcast. He was not a uh, producer at uh, Blum House at the time, uh, but uh, Ryan Turek. Uh, who is the producer on the Halloween franchise now and a bunch of other Blumhouse productions? He had a podcast back in the day and a website, so I met him then. Um, those are my two celebrity meetings, but I I, I remember just feeling like oh, I don't know that I can do a convention this size. This is too big, um, and I I know that's a long winded an- answer to your question, but you know maybe a Dragon Con. You know I I feel like sometimes I don't participate in the after hours events of conventions that I do go to where it's like you know something dumb like karaoke or whatever you know but it's like usually the celebrity guests that are there usually show up to those things to get drunk because it's if there's one thing all convention goers love it's the bar um (laughs)
2: yes
1: (laughs) so uh I don't know maybe I would like to go to a dragon con I don't know that I would want to be there the entire weekend but I'm sure that the allure of it would be enough to get me to probably try it once, but I I, yeah, that's I ki-
0: that's kind of I feel like I want to do it once, but I also feel like like not that I'm a curmudgeon, but there's going to be a bit of like I'm good, you know, but like but I also feel like I owe it to myself to go to something like like SuperCon where it is like y'all you don't like this give it fifteen minutes something else is happening, and I'm not I'm not trying to shit on Fan Expo, which I hope that had a good enough turnout to come back next year because I think Cleveland you know, like it it deserves the right to go pay money to buy shit. That's not like, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that we are as a city, like, you know, like, like, like I wasn't there for like the whole weekend, but like some of the guests that turned out, there's some big names that showed up on Saturday, right? Like, I think that's, um, I think, I think it's worthy of people to have something in their backyard to go to and attend. I think that's very important in terms. Well, not, very important. I guess it's like in terms of light of what the, what's going on with the world. But like, if you want to go like celebrate a thing and go the meet like, like I, you know, it's been 15 minutes from where I've lived and I have seen, um, five of what? 30 plus five, five of however many overwatch people. Right. And it's like, it's the thing I love. Like, why not go see that? Mm. Right. Like Billy West, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to meet him, and then I babbled on about how I had to put a, a Planet Express sticker on my car, like like you know, like which I did. I'm like, I have an I have an Orton fit. up put a Planet Express. And he's like, that's great. I'm like, you didn't hear a word I said. Okay, great, thanks, Billy West. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was like, I didn't have to tell him. I'm like, I appreciate your work. I'm glad that you guys got redoing. He's like, we're recording right now. I'm like, great. I also have a sticker on my car. Like like I'm 42. Why would I tell somebody I have a sticker on my car? Like why would I do that? But anyway, but I did. It's like, it's like when I bought my car, it's the only sticker, like, you know, like people like, like, like my wife, a ton of bumper stickers, right? Like she like, you know, whatever her car's a billboard. All I have is a planet express sticker on the back of my car. Cause I thought that was like, my car is orange and tiny. It's a spaceship. Right. And that felt very, like, I felt very in line and I'm like, if it wasn't for Billy West and company for Futurama, I wouldn't have put a sticker on my car. Like that's a small thing, but I've had this, this car for like years and it's like and every time I go out, I see it, you know, and like also like Futurama is important to me and I, I like it a great deal. So I got to meet him, right. And like people need the opportunity to, to meet the creators of things they love, um, and to interact. And I understand there's a premium, like, everything costs money. I, I'm not dismissive of that, but I think that it's like, I think like with the Cleveland fan expo, like why not? Right. Like, like, like why do we have to drive to other cities? Cleveland's big enough. I hope that continues. That's that's not the, that's not the documentary and we talked about for 3 seconds. I understand, but um I think I think that par- it's a parallel of like people get to group together and do a thing and hang out and celebrate their fandoms and that's perfectly wonderful and they should have that opportunity to do so. And something like Supercon which seems like like gigantic and I checked their website recently. Um COVID didn't seem to unpack them. They're trucking along. I feel like supercon to me would be like, um, I don't know. It seems like not intimidating, but it seems like, wow, that's a lot going on there. I don't think I have that much money, you know, like <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. <laughs> well, you know, the other things that I wanted to
1: touch about on, on the documentary, and I, 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 do feel like I have given short shrift to the documentary just simply because, I wanted to give my personal experience, but um, you know the things that I thought were interesting were you know we see a little bit of a piece of him talking about having to deal with um, you know celebrities, whether it be uh, people canceling on him, you know at last minute, um, or uh, you know he talks about like there's you know and he doesn't name names, which I'll give him credit for. You know he's not like out to shit on anybody, but he's like yeah, there are some celebrities who and i'm paraphrasing here but that you kind of have to clean up and get to the show
0: or that they're um, just, ter- they're, just the bar. they're just mean they're just mean terrible the entire time yeah,
1: yeah. or yeah. they're assholes or whatever you know and, and he talks a little bit about that um which i think is interesting i, I kind of wish we would have gotten a little bit more of that i'd also wish we would have gotten a, a little bit more of uh a discussion about you know comics in general and the people that he was had there you know that were comic book artists or writers or legends in the industry, like the people that he was, you know, getting there that were producing all this material that your convention's based on. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, of that on this documentary. I would have liked more Um, of like the
0: logistics of planning how to lay everything out. Just a smidge of like, how do you, how do you set up the celebrity area? Which I know we saw the taping, like the tape on the floor, which was a funny bit, but I would like to see like, how do you, how do you plan your floor layout? Like, I think that would have been really interesting to be like, this is how we do our layout. It's a, it's a work in progress, but this is how we try to make it best for everybody. Like, I think that would have been fascinating to be like, how do you, how do you literally like handle celebrities, um, you know, events and also like vendors and like food. And uh, like, I would have liked to see a little bit about that. And they don't really get into it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. I kind of wish also, cause it's, there's a couple points during the movie where we find out that like he slept either at the office or hasn't even gone home. Yeah. Like he's been working the entire night trying to get something done um, there's a point in the, the documentary where the convention is going on and somebody's showing um, Sandy a photo of somebody sleeping on the floor and she's like oh is that my husband she, and they're like yeah she's like oh or you know is he like trying to steal a nap and they're like no that's him at like 3 in the morning he's literally sleeping on the floor of the convention there like you know, I, I I certainly don't want to make him out to be a hero or anything like that, but like she has a, a a comment at the beginning of the film where she's like, Oh, you know, people tell me you must feel so lucky to be able to do what you love, and she's like, This isn't love, you know, this or no, it must be passionate. Must she's be, like, Yeah, passionate yeah. do something that you have a passion for. She's like, This isn't passion, this is obsession. She's like obsession doesn't lead you to work as many hours as we do and have spent you know
2: yeah and
1: uh, sleepless nights and in, in you know everything that we put into this you know and I I do admire that at least at least they felt like they had personal stakes. This doesn't feel like a rubber stamp convention. It doesn't feel like a plug in your numbers X Y Z um, and you've got a convention. Like it does feel like a labor of love to them. Uh, maybe they're a little too obsessive about it in some aspects, but at the same time, I, I, I still think it's an interesting look at like somebody running a convention versus, you know, so many other documentaries that are supposed to be about you know encapsulating what the phenomenon is behind a convention.
0: No, it's fair. I think it's worthy of watching. There, I mean, you know, it is like you're right. It, it is an equal. It's it, it. There is some. Revealing bits to it. There's other bits that I wish would have got more into, but you know, I feel like the, the bulk of it Like sorry not the bulk but like there's definitely a third devoted to how much security sucks at this convention And you're right. That's the drama portion. I'm just like, oh, no Like, like I don't I don't know how I feel about that, but I wish I wish there's a little bit more there But for what it is, it's 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 a perfectly fine documentary Um It's worthy of watching like I said, it's free on Tubi. check it out and it's it's interesting to get like the bird's eye view and then the worm's eye view of being somebody at a table, right? Like I think mm. that's why you wanted to p- put that contrast of like, and you mentioned like Fan Expo had some like definite um like billing and communications issues behind the scenes. and their their expectations for the show were much smaller than Supercon. Like could you imagine that level of yeah. chaos in terms of like tabling and p- billing? That would not happen as much as there is them dealing with everything from minute to minute that I'm pretty sure a lot of that shit was set in stone before people set foot in the door.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's normally the way it goes. So, you know, uh, that's why I wanted to give a little bit of behind the scenes with fan expo. And the funny thing is, is that like, uh, the entire weekend, I kept getting emails like uh, "re up for <laughs> next year's fan x com uh, comic con right now, fan Expo, because you know you'll save twenty percent or whatever, and it was like you literally just charged me like a day ago. I'm not giving you more money for next year, although there was no guarantee that they were gonna take the money <laughs> anyways, maybe <laughs> there's no guarantee they're showing up year. again, Like, uh, you
0: know. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's just, it was one of those things where it's like, I feel like, Hey guys, we're pulling up stakes and going on to the next town. Make sure that you pay your money for the circus coming next year. It's like, we have no idea. You're showing right.
1: You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 first, I, I just, you know, we're ending this up. I just want to say real quick. Thank you. Um, I know that the, idea uh, behind this episode was my idea and, uh, it gave me a, a chance to kind of, cause I feel like, people aren't always willing to reveal the behind the scenes of stuff. And like, maybe somebody might be able to say like, well, I don't know that I learned that much, you know, of interest, you know, to what you said, Steve, which would be fine too. But like, I, I, I wanted to at least try and be honest about it. Cause I feel like people either will represent like, nobody wants to admit they lost money. Nobody ever wants to admit that And like, I don't see it as a loss of money. I see that I spent money to try and get my comic out there. Yeah, so no, maybe that's, sure. Also, the reason I don't sweat about it the way other people do. Well, it, it's, um, it,
0: it's an investment, like potentially for the future, which is a difference. Like, I don't know. It's like, you know, like just like I know what I spend on this show and I know how much I spend to keep Steve around. I, I'm aware, right? Like, um, you know, I'm just like, I send him a number of different cheeseburgers over the course of the week. He, you know, he knows how he's paid. <laughs> um, like, like we all, like, so I do not like. And and I don't think that you would like this either. And this is a different topic for a different day. I I've heard what we what the podcasting thing is. I've heard it referred to as a hobby. I'm like I don't know. Yeah. I don't make birdhouses. I don't like. I mean, if that's your thing, you sell birdhouses, Blake. Please don't. It's like it's not a hobby for me. It's like it, it's something I am passionate about. And I want to do the best job that we can do. So there's a difference there versus like, you know, I just noodle around with, let's see what happens. You know, like my 3D printing of monstrosities that I always mess up, that's a hobby, right? Like, like this and like your comic, it's not a hobby. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, there's a difference there. Right. I'm not saying that we're going to like, you know, be able to like plant our flag and make, like, make enough money to where, you know, like we have to like quit our day jobs. No, but it's not a hobby, I don't know how to describe that. Like a yeah. lot of people have tables of these shows. It's not a hobby for them. Like some of it is cool. You know, if you get, you get your kicks, cool. Right. It's not a hobby. It's, it, it's, it's almost like, it's almost in a way here, like follow me here. It's almost like this is the superhero persona that we want versus our, like, this is the Superman versus the Clark Kent. This is, this is what we want to do, but we have to like buckle down and work for like, you know, the, the daily planet. You know, like I don't just, it's hard to describe for people. So Mm -hmm. like I have spent so much money, um, in beer alone, I'm kidding, just to, you know, to do this for like what, seven years. And I've, I've never seen a return on investment. I never will. Um, I, we're not, we've not been like, we're not getting Joe Rogan numbers. We're not picked up by a heart radio. Like, you know, probably because we speak like truth about things and that when we're wrong, that's why like, you know, we, you know, <laughs> so weird, right? Like, so it's, the same thing with you. Like you go out and I know you're working on your comic with you and Ryan and you got two more issues to go for your slasher arc. And like, and people are buying your book on faith that you guys are going to complete it, which you will. And it's just, I don't know, like, and the same thing with SuperCon. It's like people, a lot of people come there to do a thing. And it's like this is what they're passionate about, and like, you know, there is it's way to be focused, and um, Ooh. you know, you know, I don't know, like, it's just, it's a tough thing, right? And super, like, surviving SuperCon, the only my one of my other bigger uh, hangups about that is I hate the cover art. It just I don't like that. It looks like a mad, 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 mad world. It's like calm down, calm down, guys. Just you know.
2: <laughs> I just I don't like the well, cover. I I, art.
1: <laughs> I I you know, I I was uh I guess um I don't want to say uh that I had no reaction to the cover art, but I didn't even give it a thought, I guess. It, it, it,
0: but I mean Which it's is, it, it's annoying. The cover art pisses me off, but that's neither here or there. Uh but you no, know, the documentary is interesting. Uh, I think there's too many slow motion shots of wrestling going on because that's all they got. And it's like a lot of slow motion shots of like like attractive females. But whatever. I get that's how you butter your bread. But that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of slow motion shots of Steve and I from the weekend going to Fan Expo. Like, you know, like selling our wares, but whatever. Um, no, no. But thank you for inviting me to help out for Fan Expo. I know I invited myself, but we had fun. Uh, chicken tenders were too much. Um, crinkle fries are garbage, regardless of where I get them from. Um, it was still fun. I, I you know, like regardless, I'm, I'm cutting you off, and I know you and Ryan. This is your your project that you, what you're passionate about. Just know, and I've said this repeatedly on and off, Mike. I'm always there to help because I think I think it's a lot of fun. I, I'm always better at um, being a cheerleader for somebody else's product than my own. So it was fun. Thank you for bringing me on, on a Sunday. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. You're, you're more than welcome. And you know, anytime that you a offer to help, I mean, it's not like you were paid for your time. Uh, you got in free to the convention. That's, I, but I paid the, for my time. Yeah. I have
0: a plenty of, <laughs> plenty of things. <laughs> like, you know,
1: yeah, um, you, yeah, you certainly <laughs> spent more money getting, you know, uh, <laughs> being at the convention that if you uh, just stayed at home, yeah. uh, you know, you wouldn't have spent. So, um, you know thank you for, for, for that. Also, you know you're always welcome. Um, and you know we we did try to talk up the the podcast to, to some folks who were grabbing free stickers and magnets and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you know if, if anybody out there listening does think that there's a documentary that uh, about either conventions or um, you know making comics or, or whatever that you think that we should watch, you know we're always open. I'd be curious to hear if there is, you know, a documentary that I'm unaware of that kind of covers, you know, this whole, uh, scene, you know, particularly with the popularity of, you know, comic books over the last 20 years, having become cinematic, you know, universes. I, I'd be curious if there is something out there that I'm unaware of, you know, um, I'd be curious to see what that movie is, and you know, please fill us in. Let us know. But uh, thank you again for uh, being there this weekend, Paul, and thanks for letting, for indulging me in in this discussion about. Uh, conventions.
0: No, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, that's going to do it for us this week talking about uh, conventions and sur- and surviving SuperCon. You guys can find that on Tubi. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at uh, Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, you can find us on our blog that is um, Dusty AF, as the kids say. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's Invasion of the Podcast um, Yeah, and you can uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. Uh, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Bucket of Pods. Um, um, dollar general, I don't, <laughs> I don't know wherever you find your podcast. Uh, if you, if you like this, uh, let it more, the more, the merrier. If you enjoy this, let other people know. Um, yeah. And, and Steve, how can people find you?
1: You can find me on Instagram, and Facebook under the Saturday night slasher. You can find me on our website, the Saturday slasher.com, um, I'm going to make a note of this because I didn't even realize this was a thing. Apparently, I'm uh, ahead of the uh, trend. Apparently, there's a whole Etsy strike going on right now because Etsy does kind of rake you over the coals with the fees. I was unaware of this until this weekend when I heard a lot of people saying, like, yeah, I shut my Etsy down because, you know, uh, you know, there's a, the, this whole Etsy strike going on. I was like, ah, good. Something that I, I was ahead of. the curve." Yeah. On You're like, I it's shut it down just, before you know. it
0: happened. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah um, so I'm considering moving away from Etsy anyway but if uh, if by chance we decide to stay, stay there it'll be the art of the slash. you can uh, buy comics uh, from myself and Ryan Cassidy
0: perfect alright so that that's um, that's how you guys can find us and let's like, like <laughs> we, we're going to move from one uh, hefty topic to another in terms of taking Steve to vacation Bible school <laughs> Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right. So uh, this week I decided, um, you know, uh, it's it, it's a tried and true game I have here on the show. It's going to be real or fake. Uh, vacation Bible school themes. Um, I will say that this is with a little bit of uh, animosity and piss and vinegar because of everything going on right now with uh, you know, life and uh, the Supreme Court. Um, you know, if they're gonna take uh, rights away from women, I'm gonna like, I'm wanting to uh, punch, I'm gonna punch down on indoctrination of children, right? Like, Steve, have you ever seen the documentary Jesus Camp? Um, if you, I have not, if, uh, you, if, if, if you've uh, not um, I've heard of it, but I've not. Seen yeah, it. you should, but it's going to make you mad <laughs> like a lot. So, um, so this is what, like, so I've talked about previously. I've, I went to vacation Bible school. It was like, I thought it was the fun time. I didn't realize it was grown ups like, like, like telling me bullshit. So I want to, I'm going to post it to you, Steve. <laughs> well, it is, it really is. It really is. It, it's like bite-sized garbage is what it is. Right. It's like, you know, cause kids don't know, but like, they don't know. Like, and like, you know, like I know we've had our fun and we've had our laughs tonight, but it, like the idea of like, Oh, it's all nice and like candy coated, but there is this, this wicked streak running through about like, you know, controlling people and like, and also, um, how do I phrase this? Uh, um, judging others that are different than you. You know who'd have thought, mm-hmm. right? And it's all supposed to be wrapped up in like the 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 name of Jesus. You know, the guy who would like loved everybody, and then you know got killed for reasons we won't get into. You know, like ask Mel Gibson; he has his theories, right? So, um, so I'm going to ask you. Uh, I have ten of these because you know I looked up uh, vacation Bible school themes from 2022. So I want to ask you, real or fake, right? So here's the first first ones monumental celebrating God's greatness or the seven wonders of God's world. Well,
1: that's really hard. Like normally I'm easy. It's much easier to tell, sniff out the joke.
0: Um, No, 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 I was, no, no, trust me. I was was trying to like actually come up with a couple and then spoiler. There's a few that maybe it'll be easy to find out. So, Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say
1: the wonder, the seven wonders of God's world is fake.
0: That's true. All right. So, cause you're going to ask me what the seven uh, wonders were. I'm going to be like, I don't know. I had no idea. Like, you know, um, wrath, sloth, <laughs> and the- women talking in church, you know, whatever. <laughs> Which is the thing that, like, so uh, spoiler, uh, New Testament. There's a whole thing where uh, uh, you know they're they're talking about like, well, what if a woman has like something to say? And they're like, she needs to actually ask her husband for him to stand up and ask the question. You know, I'm glad times have changed. Anyway, so that, look it up; it's true. Um, I've read the New Testament twice. Like, come at me. Mm. All right, what else we have here? We have um, the castle of courage. Be strong, and courageous. The fortress of faith. Just believe in stand tall.
1: Uh, I'm gonna say that uh, the second one, uh, stand up and be tall, is is the fortress of faith. That sounds
0: real. That's fake. So, uh, but it's not know, that it's- far off though. Where I like the idea of just like you know what, no one can tell you different because this book that was written you know a couple thousand years ago and translated multiple times. Nah, just believe it. Versus, you know, reality. No, the castle of courage, be strong and courageous, which that also sounds like hide in your rock wall. You know, like don't ever go outside, you know, just you're good. Right. So, yeah. So you're a uh, one in one so far. All right. So, all right. Um, no, I'm not. I, I, I was wrong on both. No, 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 no. You, you, you called out. <laughs> no, you called out the seven wonders of God being the fake one. Right. Is what you said. Right. Uh, or you say that was the real one? If so, you're zero for two. I thought you said that was. the I said one.
1: it was the real one. Oh, okay, sure. so you're,
0: yeah, so no. you're, okay, so you're zero for two. I'm sorry that I made this hard. I didn't realize. All right, let me let me see what I got here. Okay, Norb E. So that is um, an out of this world mission to discover God's glory. Norb E. stands for non-organic robot buddy explorer, or Holy okay. Healer of Light uh Explorer heading into the darkness to deliver God's love. Uh
1: the second one's real.
0: No, uh Holy is fake. I just thought you'd be fine if I that, that I spelled it H-O-L-E. I thought you would appreciate that I um uh. Yeah. Both of them are garbage and they're both ripping off uh Wally. But non-organic robot. I thought the first one was so bad that it couldn't be real. Yeah, I thought I'd made it worse. I thought you'd sniff that out. So zero for three, Steve. What are you, like, look at you lacking faith. All right. So let's, let, let, okay, I guess great.
1: I need to get to uh, a vacation Bible school. I need to do some learning.
0: <laughs> All right. What about this one? 10 Hut, Joining God's Army, and Passport to Peace.
1: Uh, joining God's army is absolutely, uh, they don't, they don't try to market Jesus on peace. It's usually the, uh, you, you know, you got to join the God army. So I'm going to say the first one's real God army is real. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's the fake one. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I thought, I thought maybe that was too much. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, all right. Let's keep. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, here. I got one for you.
1: I, I just showed my cards though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, no. no. So, gone.
0: so far, like, no, because I always realize I try to drill down and make the worst joke. Uh, clearly, clearly I've, I tapped into something here. All right. What about a uh, God's wonder lab? Jesus does the impossible or, or, Just hear me out. Dr. Jesus and his disciples. (laughs) Well, I'm going to guess that the second one's fake, considering (laughs) you said,
1: just hear me out. (laughs) As you were making a proclamation for it.
0: Oh, okay. But what about the disciples? How do you feel about Dr. Jesus and his disciples? (laughs) I believe
1: that they're like half... Half human, half like cyborg, like they're cyborgs. They're half human, half robot.
0: Okay. I just, I was trying to so. find a wordplay on disciples. I thought, but, but also you're not, you're not zeroing in on Dr. Jesus. I thought that was the thing that you would have zeroed out on. <laughs> 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 but also. I, God, guess I, yeah, I wasn't sorry. even
1: thinking about that.
0: <laughs> God's wonder lab. Jesus does the impossible. So what you're saying is science is real, but then not. I don't know, whatever, bullshit, right? So, <laughs> All right, what else we got Well, here? also, yeah.
1: Disciples, Disciples made me think of, I don't know if you uh, saw this parody from uh, 30 years ago, I guess now. Uh Live did a parody commercial for Philadelphia, the movie, but it was Philadelphia Toys. <laughs> no! And at one point, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like they have <laughs> dino buddies and stuff like that. I'll have to look and that up. It's like, you know, Tom oh. Hanks and yeah, I, I I'm please, not doing it. Just please, please share it, that just, to our it feels Facebook very page. Much in that same vein.
0: Please. Like, if I don't remember, please share the, the Facebook all right, page. That'd be amazing. It. All right. So, all right. Um, here, here's the next ones. All right. We got, uh, make waves. What you do today could change the world around you or crossway bay. Hanging 10 with Christ.
1: All right. Hanging 10 with Christ is fake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't like the name Crossway Bay. Come on. Come on. Um, No. uh, No. So like when I was telling, I was telling my wife, I was like, I'm going to do the vacation Bible school thing again. She's like, you got to bring back camp three nails. I'm like, Steve already knows that one. Like I couldn't (laughs) do it again. All right. All right. Um, so, like the idea that I would try to fool you again with the thing. All right, okay. What else do we have here? It is um, um, escape from Fire Island, finding your way out of sin, or lava, lava luau, control your emotions. <laughs> I, I, the, the first one
1: is is fake. I, I, have, to, <laughs> I have to.
0: I have to. I, you I you sure about that? Are you sure the first one's the fake one? <laughs> yes okay you're right <laughs> Oh, okay fine 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 all right no mm. I just, the fact that i've actually made you like doubt a lot of these makes me happy like what also it makes me sad because that means that like it could be a thing right <laughs> like it's I, i'm i'm conflicted right and so all right um all right next one um food truck party on a roll with god or Apostle's Paul, Apostle Paul's Pizza Delivery, gospel goodness, straight to your door. <laughs> All right.
1: So the second one uh, is so ridiculous that I, I won't say that that's the fake one, but I'm going to say it's
0: real. So you believe Apostle Paul's Pizza Delivery is the real one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh you're wrong it's a food truck party on a roll with god oh. and i saw that i'm just like you gotta be effing kidding me like you gotta be kidding me there's a vacation bible school five-day thing it's about food trucks come on but it's also gonna be like oh there's people operating food trucks where are well, they maybe from maybe it's town of fat kids yeah no no but it's like also like oh there's different heritages here oh wait they're different colors than me well they're not getting to heaven you know like whatever so yeah anyway <laughs> Tell me I'm, I'm just wrong. saying
1: I might consider going to Vacation Bible School. If right it's there, a food so truck so, party, food yeah,
0: right. No shit, right. So, <laughs> yeah. all right, I got. <laughs> I think I got two more here. So I got um here. <laughs> I have a uh, zoomerang, returning to the value of life or a walkabout, seeing God's beauty down under. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> is is the second one
1: actually like in Australia both like, of them
0: both of them are Australia set, so Okay. <laughs> I like the idea that one of uh, them is real, a real for the study. Like the <laughs> set in Australia, the other one is a fake <laughs> one it's still set in Australia, so yes.
1: The fake one is also set in Australia. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna say
0: I'm gonna say Zoomerang is fake. Well you're wrong. Walk about Damn it. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate seeing God's beauty down under. I thought you'd appreciate us making a. I was making an ass joke. I was making a, uh, a dick and balls joke. That's what I was making. Like, and, all right. All right. So, all right. Last one here. Last one. All right. Here, here, here. Um, this is, um, like farm related. I'll just like, I'll give you the theme for the last one. Right. Is it heyday growing in friendship with Christ? Sorry. Growing in friendship with Jesus or Cockadoodle Christ learning lessons down at Redemption Farm. <laughs> Please tell me Cockadoodle Christ is fake. <laughs> okay, you paused. Like what where what what were you what were you considering? Like I heard I heard an audible pause there. Like what was going on? <laughs> maybe cockatoo price isn't so
1: crazy maybe that is real
0: okay is that your final answer <sighs> yes that's my final answer okay that, that one was fake
1: <laughs> okay oh I really my god there for a second i was like oh no
0: <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm just impressed that I was able to, like, you know, fool you a couple times because I was doing my best to not, uh, because I, I know me, I always, like, I drill down and go for the worst joke ever. So I was like, I got to come up with something like milk yeah. toast and garbage that, like, you know, that they would be like, this is appropriate, you know, like, like I was trying to think of like, um, I was trying to think of like an ocean themed one that was like out of the blue and into the red. I was trying to think of something weird like that. I just couldn't quite land it. Oh, so, like, <laughs> And I was also trying to think for the, um, what was it? Uh, God's wonder lab. I was trying to be like science is magic. I was trying to think of like a way to like do something there. Uh, but I decided for Dr. Jesus disciples, uh, which is one of the, f- my, one of my favorite things I've ever written in my life because it's terrible. Um, yeah. So there we go. <laughs> it's sad because you fool you. You bit on a couple of things, that probably like people would be like, yeah, it makes sense. Let's just do that. It's fine. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, because, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, terrible indoctrination of kids, like we laugh, but you know, that's where we are now. So anyway, um, that was my attempt at like, you know, taking the piss out of what's going on, like as, as little as it may be, that was my, that was my goal. So, all right. So there we go. So that was my vacation Bible school. See us, the, uh, see us next year for that. So I'm sure I'll come with another batch of terrible things. <laughs> there we go. So all right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I know we went long, long for us. So next week, Doctor Strange in um, was the multiverse of madness. We're getting into it and some Moon Knight. Tuck in may not be as long as this, but it, it will probably be as long as the Batman, which, you know, we're only slightly over that. So, um, yeah, everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, you know, don't go to vacation Bible school. Don't, don't hang out with Dr. Jesus's is pals. Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing there. Um, and Steve, like what else, like what else you got for us on the way out?
1: don't forget to not make the show too long by just talking real slow as you're trying to get to the end of the...